thing, Ryan? I don't know if you heard about it or not. Um, Ivan Reitman passed away. I did not hear. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He, I'd say almost a week ago. Yeah. Damn. At this point, he passed away. Uh, from uh, reports, it seems like he just passed away in his sleep, so I guess that's that is good. the best that's, way to go. That's about as good as you can hope for. Yep. So... I just thought it was being that we're talking about the Ghostbuster movies and all that. So, yeah, I just, it sucks that he went, but he left behind a body of work that'll live with anybody. Hell, like I said last week, anytime you say who you're going to call, somebody will say Ghostbusters. People who haven't even watched the movie know that the answer is Ghostbusters. It's so burnt into the collective consciousness that uh, his staple in history will always part, be there. Part of that, I don't know if it directly correlates to the movie. Obviously, the the song was written for the movie, um, but it was what, Ray Parker Jr.? Yeah. yeah. That, no, they, they commissioned him to write a song for uh, the movie, and that's what we got. Is, right, and I mean, it is like... You hear it's it, iconic. You hear it fucking everywhere. yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, the Super Bowl was over last weekend. It would say Saturday, so last, uh, last Sunday. Sunday. Uh, did you watch any of the commercials, sure trailers? Did. Any, uh, did you watch like all of the like Marvel I, ones and the Moon no, Knight one? No, I didn't watch the Moon Knight one, uh, but I did watch Doctor Strange mm-hmm. and the Multiverse of Madness. Um, was there another one? I'm sure there was. I can't think of it. The the only two that's pinpointing in my head are Moon Knight and Doctor Strange and the Multiverse of Madness. Yeah, I watched the Multiverse of Madness. I mean, um, the the only other commercial that then, really sticks out in my head is the GE commercial with Doctor Evil. The whole Austin Power. Did you not see that one? No. Oh my god, uh, it's pretty fucking spectacular. Mike Myers, the whole cast comes back for this GE commercial about electric cars and about how global warming is the greatest threat to humanity and that Dr. Evil is now number two. <laughs> it's a whole slew of shit. You have to check it out. It's pretty fucking fantastic. Um, but yeah, let's get on to... Okay, so Moon Knight. Um, how much do you know about Moon Knight? I know that Oscar Isaac loses his absolute fucking shit well yeah in the comics um I've, i watched the uh the first trailer. okay where he's uh not sure who he is or what's going right. on and all that yeah and then at the very end you get him in the moon Knight yeah, costume yeah with the wrappings and everything with the wrappings that looks fucking awesome yeah i know by the way. it looks fantastic so in the newest trailer we actually get him like leaping off of something and the cape turns into the crescent moon it, it looks fucking spectacular i mean i I know some of Moon Knight. I'm not well-versed into it, like, say, any other comic book character. But I know some. I know that the um, titular character, can't remember his name, but he's uh, dealing with some sort of, like, psychotic break of some sort. Yeah, he's more insane than yeah. Deadpool. It, people have compared him to uh, DC's Batman. So I, it's about the same. I mean, he does... Uh, from what I remember, I haven't read a Moon Knight comic in quite a while. I believe that the guy who is Moon Knight is wealthy as well. I believe. I think so. I'm not 100%, but it, it deals with a lot of the uh, Egyptian culture, things like that. That's why you get pyramids in the trailer and whatnot. Um, it looks like we're going to be getting... I don't know if... 
we'll get into it whenever we talk about the strange trailer, but the idea of the Moon Knight series could dovetail because we already know Mahershal Ali is going to be playing Blade. Yes. So that could play into what Moon Knight does, could play into uh, a Blade series or movie. I believe it's going to be a movie, but what they set up in the Moon Knight series could play into the Blade movie. Right. Um, because there are werewolves and vampires and uh, Moon Knight mythos and all that shit, so right. it could easily play into that. So I'm interested to see how that's going to go. And I imagine that there's going to be some tie-in with like Morbius as well. If that's even a tie-in with the MCU, I don't know. Yeah. I have no clue what that is. I don't know if it's its own thing like Venom or... Because we know that... What's his well, name? Well, technically Venom does tie into the MCU now. Well, yes with, and no. They pulled the, him out. Yeah, remember? With the... Yeah. At the end of Venom, they put him into the MCU. And then by the time the new Spider-Man movie came right, out, they, pull they him pulled him out. the fuck back out. But what's his name? Uh... The guy that played the Vulture in the first uh, newest Spider-Man movie, he's in the Morbius trailer, Michael Keaton. Yeah. So I don't know how any of this fucking links up. I'm interested to see how it goes, but who fucking knows? Um, Besides that trailer, let's talk about Doctor Strange, because I think we're going to be getting some fantastic things in that movie uh, within the same uh, premise of like the newest Spider-Man movie, where there are going to be characters introduced to... This in this movie that were from other franchises, vis-a-vis Patrick Stewart. We don't know in what capacity Patrick Stewart. That is his voice, right? Yeah, in that it trailer, one hundred percent, without yes. a doubt. That is his voice. We just don't know if he's playing I Professor listened, X. I listened like seven times. Right, <laughs> I was like, well, hold on a second. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Wanted to double check. I imagine it's going to be like. Illuminati. Yeah, it, it, they're, without a doubt, they're setting up the Illuminati in that whole sequence. Um, we see Ultron bots. I don't know who well, the members are going I've to I've watched a few videos where uh, people are speculating that the one on the far left looks to be about uh, Mr. Fantastic, because he's got like long Yeah, I arms. heard that too, but then you look at pictures of John Krasinski and you're like, yeah, but he hasn't no. been cast. There hasn't been anything official. I would love for John Krasinski, Krasinski to play Mr. Fantastic, but there hasn't been anything official yet. So I, I saw one video, and I just have to make the joke, too, because it's fantastic. Um, it's Mr. Fantastic. <laughs> See what I did there? Yeah. He's not Jack Ryan. He's jacked Ryan. <laughs> <laughs> he's fucking fantastic in those Jack Ryan uh, series. I've watched... Just the first season. I haven't gotten to the second season yet, but that first season was really fucking good. So I think I. So I'm of two minds with the John Krasinski becoming Mister Fantastic. A, I want to see him at it as it. B, I'm also like, nothing says that Mister Fantastic has to be a white guy. No. So I'm in. I'm open to the idea of Mister Fantastic being played by an unknown black actor of some sort, maybe, and then just surround him with uh, other characters that are more, or other actors that are more famous, whether it be a person of color or not. But I'm open. I I would be interested to see how that would. Well, a I know how it's going to go down in the real world, um, because people. What was the most recent? Oh, the fucking Super Bowl. Um, the halftime show. Oh my god. People went ape shit because it was black centric apparently. Let's let's talk about that for a minute because 
Did you watch it? The halftime show? Yeah, yeah. yeah. It was fantastic. It was fucking awesome. It was so fucking good. Like, they went through all the different decades with all the different artists of 50 Cent, Eminem, Dre, Snoop Dogg, fucking Mary J. Blige, and uh, Kendrick Lamar as well. They all fucking Kendrick Lamar's, his was fucking fantastic with the men, like, dancing See, around all, him. Whenever I saw that, I was like, that's a little bit too Rhythm Nation for me. Yeah, that's what I thought. And I was like, that's, that's but, reminiscent of back uh, in the day. The Upside Down 50 Cent? Yeah. I was like... What? What? <laughs> what? <laughs> like I didn't even know he was there. Okay, cool. And then like I read a whole bunch of, or like I saw a whole bunch of stuff online where they're like, "Oh, he's so fat. He's so fat." And I'm like, "He's thicker, but I don't I'm know like, about fat." Look, look, that that is not fat. Yeah. Like as someone who goes to the gym regularly now, <laughs> like right. he's a bit bigger. Yeah, but it's not. fat. Fat, like he's not fat. No, no. I don't understand why people are like he's so fucking fat. <laughs> no, he's he's a three hundred pound brick shit house. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> like, uh, that entire halftime show, like I'm not huge into football or anything, but I always try to keep an eye out for like the commercials or the trailers that get released on Super Bowl during the Super Bowl and also the halftime show. And I think this is the first halftime show where I was like, this is fucking spectacular from beginning to end. Yeah. Like, I think last year's was Maroon 5. Yeah, I don't even know who last year's was. I don't remember exactly, but I know it was not good. I remember having, like, just a bad taste in my mouth. But, I was, yeah, this this year's was... It was fantastic. Even Dre playing on the piano of those, like, three notes from, uh, oh my god, The Chronic. Yeah. That's the, I believe that's the song, The Chronic. Maybe that's the album. Anyway, um, I like the idea of fucking Eminem kneeling. At the end of his set, that was fucking fantastic. Well, and that's there's so much fucking misreporting about that. I know. Like nobody told him he couldn't. I know, that's... but the uh, I, the reason I find it fantastic is because both sides are trying to argue. You have the white right wing fucking uh, arguing, no, he shouldn't have kneeled. That was inappropriate. Blah blah blah. Uh, and then you have the other side saying, yeah, f the NFL for telling him not to. I'm just like, clearly. It, Nothing was said beforehand from nobody, what it sounded like. Nobody told him. Like, as a matter of fact, the rumors came up before that they were like, hey, Eminem can't kneel. And before the halftime show even happened, the NFL was like, we didn't fucking tell him that. Mm. Like, I don't think it ever came players, up. Players have been kneeling for Off years at this point. Ye- like, Colin Kaepernick started, what, like 2017? Yeah, yeah, it was about a year or two into Trump's presidency. Right. So, like, it's been happening for years, and they're like, we wouldn't hold our musical talent to different standards than we hold our players to. Like, they don't get in trouble for kneeling. Not anymore. Kaepernick is still right. blacklisted because of that bullshit, for whatever reason. But it's just, like... People wanting to make controversy where there isn't any. It's yeah, and there were, and there are already people on the right side, uh, not like the correct side, but the right, um, going like I said earlier, just going ape shit because it was all mainly a black centric halftime show, and they're uh, apparently white panic is setting in with a lot of these dipshits. I don't even know how it was black centric. It was '90s hip hop centric. That's that's the that's why. Because it was all black performers, well, except for one person. 
So, oh, I, I'm not agreeing with them in any fucking way, but I'm just saying that is their fucking rationale is because it was all black artists except for the one guy. It's just fucker, all I watched, bullshit. I watched the entire thing, and as they're singing, I'm just like, yeah, yeah. singing too. It like, was fucking fantastic. It's ninety. It's nineties nostalgia. Mm-hmm. It's, it's it's fucking fine. I, another like, thing let that it go. that that people let are it bitching, go. Let that, it go. Yeah, that people are bitching about is that uh, Snoop. Apparently was caught on camera uh, taking a few riffs off a joint that he had, and they caught him on camera because it was right before he came up on the up the steps on that little stage that they had, uh-huh. and he took a few uh, rips off of it and then came back up the steps. Apparently the camera caught it, and a few people, I'd say about ten percent of the people that were not fans of the halftime show, were then throwing in and Snoop Dogg was high during the show. I was like. Do you yeah. know this performer at it's all? Snoop Dogg. <laughs> right. <laughs> no uh, joke. He literally has a guy on payroll that his only job is to, to roll, roll his joints. Yeah, yeah. And he pays him like $40,000 a year. Yeah. Um, I, I, I'm sure he has a few strands of cannabis with his oh, he absolutely does. name behind it. I know if Kevin Smith does, you know for a fact fucking uh, Snoop Dogg does. Yeah. He he, without a doubt, he one hundred percent does, yeah. and uh, he's also uh, he just started this venture. Um, I want to say probably like six months ago or so. Um, he's releasing his own brand of hot dogs that are called Snoop Dogs. <laughs> <laughs> That's brilliant. <laughs> yep. <laughs> oh my god! I want those. So bad. I don't even care what they're made out of. I want them. <laughs> oh, shit. Um, let's see if there's anything else that came out. A few other things I wanted to well, say for... Well, we didn't even talk about Doctor Strange. Oh, that's right. We didn't. <laughs> All right. So, Doctor Strange. Yeah, we got onto it a little bit, and then we just went off at a tangent about the Super Bowl. The halftime show. Um, so, from we have Mr. Fantastic. It, what some people are speculating as Mr. Fantastic on the one side. The other side, it looks like maybe Blade walking from the right side of the thing towards one See, of the chairs. I thought that too, but then I because also... Because it looks like a sword's coming out from his back and everything. Well, right, but it could also be the alternative version of uh, Baron Mordo that uh, puts him in cuffs. Yeah. Because it be. looks like he has dreads. I, I couldn't tell for I certain. mean... The the silhouette it looked like yeah. it had long hair rather than short. Okay, with a sword on his back, which I mean it would make sense mm-hmm. that because uh, Baron Mordo's the one who arrests him. Yeah, yeah, we see that in the takes trailer. Him there, yeah, and then you see him later wielding a sword, cutting the shackles. Yeah, so it makes sense that he would have a sword. It's quite possible. Yeah. Uh, either way, I'm fucking excited to see what. Like I said, I've also heard Marvel has the, not confirmed Patrick Stewart, but you know that's Patrick Stewart's that voice. The, uh, the f- seated figure on the right could also potentially be a, a new person playing Black Panther. Okay, I've heard some people. I've say also heard rumors of be uh, kind of gone. because back in the day, Tom Cruise was supposed to play a version of Iron Man. Yes, I've I've heard that he's supposed to be playing like the ultimate Iron Man from like the Illuminati series. Like there's a whole like yeah, ultimate like the series. Silver yeah, yeah, silver armor. and like light blue armor and shit. Um if you know anything about the Tom Cruise one, 
the reason it never got made is because they wanted to see Tom Cruise's face. So they were thinking about making the Iron Man mask either n- obsolete or just making it clear in some manner. So I think that's why we make because the uh, which the Illuminati version is like just these like face, sideburn yeah, like yeah face framing yeah. sideburn so it would fit in perfect mask. with that whole mythos of Tom Cruise becoming Tony Stark and all that. Either way, we know for a fact that there are Ultron bots there escorting Doctor Strange. Right. So somebody has figured out the Ultron problem with that whole um, AI program. We know for a fact. Oh, okay, so Marvel has not officially. Uh, confirmed that that's Patrick Stewart. But if you don't have your head up your ass, you know that's fucking Patrick Stewart. Without a doubt. And because he's coming back into the MCU, I have no doubt he's playing a version of Professor X. Or it could be a giant swerve and just be like, he's not Professor X. It wouldn't make sense for him to be anybody else, really. Uh, Especially if they are going with the Illuminati storyline. Professor X plays heavily into that, so... Um, and he also plays heavily into everything with Doctor Strange and Scarlet Witch. Yes. So, I it that movie's gonna be fucking bonkers. Yeah, it's gonna be nutty. It, it's in in all the best ways. It's gonna be fucking bonkers. Um, because on top of that, a it's directed by Sam Raimi. Yep. So I think that's fucking fantastic. Yep. Um, B. As long as it's not Spider Man Three. Right. Right. Uh, but we also get multiple Stranges in this movie. Yes. So we get a Defenders Strange. Yeah. With like the 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 the, the Captain America esque outfit, uh, with the side with the gray like <laughs> sideburns yeah, at the, the top. The widow's peak. The burns. The high the high fade yeah, burns. Whatever the fuck. And then we get it like an evil one almost. It. Have you watched the um, What If series on Disney Plus? No, I have not. So there is a version of an evil Doctor Strange. Like the zombified version? Well, there is that, but there's an evil one who constantly just, instead of dabbling in, like, good um, sorcery powers, he dabbles in, like, uh, uh, just uh, this type of power that uh, consumes other life in order for him to become stronger and stronger. He ends up becoming evil by the end of it. Um, But it seemed very reminiscent of that. So... I'm wondering if the What If series is part of the MCU. Well, based on... So, I I watched like a frame-by-frame breakdown of Mm -hmm. the trailer. And at one point, you see... um, It's not Captain Britain. Like the Peggy Carter... Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I know uh, what you're talking about. Yeah, yeah, the, the, The S.H.I.E.L.D. The British... Version yeah. of the Captain America shield. Did they just call her Agent Carter as the... I think... So yeah, maybe. anybody that doesn't know that storyline, instead of Steve Rogers getting the super soldier serum, Peggy Carter is the one that gets the super soldier serum. So, And she's the one that um, is super strong and super tall and all that. And, and rather than badass. having Captain America's shield with like the single star... Yeah, it they has the like Union the, Jack the on Union it. The Union Jack on it. Um, and at one point, like whenever they're... Uh, Doctor Strange and um, oh god, I'm blanking on her name. Uh, Elizabeth Olsen, America Chavez. Yeah, America Chavez. Um, Is there? She's in that. I completely forgot about that. Is there like peeling through Mm. realities? Yeah. If you watch it frame by frame for a second before they get all like cubed, cubed, they break through and animated. 
Oh, really? Yeah, they break through an animated I'm wondering if plane. that's it. And then that would also explain why uh, we get um, Sucky Boy that throws the bus at him. What the hell's his name? Oh, that's right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The, uh, the, the tentacle ball. Starts, starts with a C. Yeah, I... I don't remember. Yeah, he he he's played somewhat of a important character in Strange's mythos, but I can't remember the fuck that character's name. But we get him, and from what I understand about the What If series, like there's um, a bunch of tentacle monsters throughout. Yeah, yeah. And stuff. So yeah. like uh, throughout several of the episodes that you see some sort of like being with some sort of tentacle. So it could easily be that character right there. Um, I'm very fucking excited. This movie comes out what May. Yeah. May of this year. So I think it's gonna be fucking ridiculous. It's going to be fucking crazy. Mm -hmm. And then the fact that you get like fucking two different Scarlet witches. Yeah. She's going to be in it. And it looks like she's going to be dealing with some of the, uh, fallout from, uh, WandaVision. Don't really know if she's the good guy or the bad guy. Could be both. Could be. Well, I I assume she's going to be the bad guy just based on the one line whenever. Um, oh, where um, where yeah. she's talking to Strange and you alter like, everybody. You alter reality and everybody calls you a hero. I do it and everybody calls me the villain. Seems like an unfair double standard. Yeah, yeah. type thing. Like, I imagine that she's going to be the bad guy. She's probably looking for her I mean, children. In the the yeah, if you watch the Wanda Vision WandaVision series, you know by the end of it she's spoilers if you haven't watched that series. But you know by the end of that series, she's out looking for her children that she had at one point. Um I'm not gonna tell you how she lost them or what's going and on with all that. And then we also get um what appears to be um the the black lady Oh, Monica Rambo, yeah, yeah, yeah. Rambeau. yeah, yeah. I mean, she shows uh, up in it for so like, like a split second. Pulsar, or yeah, 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 something is what she becomes. Is it Pulsar? It's Pulsar, Quasar, or something like that. Yeah, I know. She, uh, her own version of Captain America, or not Captain America, but Captain, Captain Marvel. Marvel. I can't remember what. I know who you're talking about. I can't remember her actual like superhero name. Um, so the, yeah, that movie's gonna dovetail into a lot of different things. Uh, from WandaVision to then we get a Minotaur what Sorcerer. <laughs> yeah, I saw that. It was just in the middle of hanging out, and everybody's like, "This is a thing that we deal with now." Just, oh, hey, Steve. <laughs> yeah. Oh my god. What's this big fucking cloud, guys? I don't know. <laughs> They're like, "Holy fuck, cloud and Minotaur! What the hell?" <laughs> uh, and based on uh, what happened in the with the third uh, Spider-Man movie, what happened in there has a direct result with. Uh, the multiverse of madness with right. him manipulating and sending everybody back. And that, I think that's why, because of what he did in Spider-Man, I think that's why he's under arrest with the, whoever it may be, the Illuminati right. or the Ultron bots. Or well, it's whatever. absolutely the Illuminati. I, I'm speculating. It's probably the Illuminati, but... In case it's and we're not. gonna get we're gonna get some like, because we how, also have we're the, gonna get some House of M shit yes on. with Scarlet Witch but we also have the TVA with the Loki series that is also in this whole uh, universe as well so it could well, easily the, be the thought process behind that is that the TVA is a splinter group of the Illuminati that was like 
he was kicked out for whatever reason, and then he like, okay. went and did his own thing. Because mm. if you look at the the headquarters versus the Illuminati's headquarters, they're kind of similar. Yeah, yeah. So he's like, he's like, fuck you guys, I'm going to make my own secret headquarters with blackjack and yeah. strippers. <laughs> oh my god, that movie's... Uh, I, fucking Moon Knight comes out soon, I think it's like the beginning of March, it starts airing with its episodes, and then Doctor Strange comes out after that. It's Those two series alone are going to... And then... Uh, May 25th, we get the Obi-Wan series, yep. which is the, what was it, the 40th anniversary for A New Hope? I think it's 40th, maybe 50th. I know it's the anniversary of A New Hope. I just can't remember the exact number. 70, oh, 45th, maybe? 70... Was it 72? Or no, it was 77 that the movie came out. 77? So... 45, yeah, 45. 45, okay. So yeah, I, I know it's on the anniversary of A New Hope coming out, so that's going to be fucking fantastic, being that that obviously takes place between 3 and 4, uh, and from... Okay, um, you're, I've constantly asked this each week, but you have not watched any of the Boba Fett series, have no. you? So, whenever I first started watching it, and I mentioned that... Uh, Boba Fett got a Rancor, and that he had a Rancor Keeper. It was training him, uh, teaching it how to uh, how to, Boba Fett can ride it and everything. Guess what we got in the... He Boba rode it. He rode that fucking Rancor, Ryan. Oh, my God. It was so fucking fantastic. I've known about that for a week. <laughs> <laughs> it is so good, and it's... Uh, like, uh, so Grogu comes back at one point. I'm not going to spoil it for anybody or why he comes back to... The Mandalorian, because the Mandalorian's helping Boba Fett with everything. Yep. So he comes back to Boba Fett, and in the midst of this Rancor, so Boba Fett gets knocked off the Rancor. The Rancor is just running through the uh, Moss Espa, just wrecking shop for anybody in its way. So, and in order to try to calm so down Rancor the Rancor, doing Rancor thing. Yes. Uh, they don't want to kill the Rancor, they just want it to stop destroying shit. And they can't seem to manage it. And then fucking Grogu walks up to it. Does some beast mastery bullshit. It calms down, lays down, passes out. Grogu waddles up beside it, snuggles up next to it, and passes the fuck out. It is so fucking good. <laughs> He's tired. <laughs> He's sleepy. That series... That took a lot out of the little guy. That series is fantastic. Um, Minus the fact that Cad Bane goes out like a bitch. He doesn't go out like a bitch. That was the original idea. Oh, was it? I heard I heard that it just wasn't very good because we were talking about it um, last week at D and D as I was making uh, I made shepherd's pie for the first time which was fucking delicious okay. really good highly suggest um, but we were you know waiting for everything to cook and we were talking about uh, they were talking about the last episode of the book of Boba Fett and I just looked at him and I was like. Does he ride the Rancor? And they're like, yeah. And I was like, well, Greg will be happy. <laughs> Move the meter. Out. I so fucking was. Because at one point, Boba Fett's like, just keep him here. I'll be back. And initially, I was like, he's going to go get more sand people. Because they didn't have a lot of people to fight with him. And then I thought about it for a second. And then right when it clicked in, you just hear the Rancor yell out in the distance. And I was like, son of a bitch. I can imagine you giddy as a fucking schoolgirl on the couch. Like, <laughs> 
Uh, but the Cad Bane thing, no, he doesn't go out like a bitch. They scuffle for a bit. It looks like Cad Bane's going to kill Boba Fett at one point. But then Boba Fett does a, a quick maneuver thing with his gaffy stick. Uh, I don't know if I told you this. But they treated the uh, sand people uh, more like uh, uh, Native Americans. Like the, the okay. original culture that was here on Tatooine. And they have these outsiders coming in and encroaching on their territory. So they treated the Sam people, the Tusken Raiders, like uh, Native Americans, like back in the day whenever we were fucking colonizing their land and right. everything. So they treated them like that, and Boba Fett was accepted into their tribe, and he was trained by them, and he eventually, through a rite of passage, got his own gaffy stick. And it, during this whole sequence of events, he had the gaffy stick on him to try to you know, help him battle and everything. He doesn't really use it until the end fight with Cad Bane. So Cad Bane is standing over him, gun to Boba Fett's face about to pull the trigger and then Boba Fett quickly does a maneuver takes the gaffy stick trips him with it and then just holds it on him I, he says something Boba Fett holds it over uh, Cad Bane and Cad Bane says something and then Boba just stabs him right in the chest so that's not a bitch move no. he just got bested <laughs> uh, plain and simple he got bested by Boba Fett you knew he wasn't going to kill Boba Fett it's Whoa, the fucking yeah. titular character so Cad Bane w- come on Star Wars shake things up a little bit right and it was set up the beginning of the fight was set up like a western like yeah. it was had Boba Fett at one end Cad Bane at the other they started shooting each other which sense for Cad Bane's aesthetic yes it was fucking fantastic so anybody bitching about that Boba Fett series because it wasn't what they thought Boba Fett should be A uh, this is a different Boba Fett because he just got swallowed by a goddamn Sarlacc pit and survived it. So he's going to be a bit more, uh, and it's a Boba Fett that is done being a bounty hunter. Yeah. He wants to build up a family. He wants to st- uh, uh, bring other bounty hunters that are, t- he's just tired of bounty hunters just being thrown as can- cannon fodder for whoever hires them. So uh, part of his reasoning for taking over the Jabba cartel is because he's done with that bullshit. Yeah, he's done being a bounty hunter. Right. He wants to be a crime lord. <laughs> right, he wants to be in charge. Uh, so the idea of people bitching about this isn't the Boba Fett I remember, of course it's not. They've said that from the beginning. He's so, done being a bounty it's hunter. It's not supposed to be. Right. <laughs> uh, anyway, uh, all that out of the way, Ryan. I cannot wait for the Obi-Wan series because I think that's going to be another fantastic series. And I believe it has a multiracial cast as well. And I think we're going to have more people just bitching about um, less white people on TV. So. Probably. One of the things I can't stand about Star Wars is Star Wars fans. Oh, yeah. Um, they are the worst? No. They're close, but they're not the worst. Which ones are the worst? League of Legends fans and players. Okay. Uh, and maybe even Lord of the Rings, because I don't know if you uh, saw any new stuff for Lord of the Rings, the Rings of Power TV show. No. That was another. I that's haven't. the other one I was thinking of. So they came out with like a 20-second Rings of Power. It's within the canon of the movies that came out years ago. And it's before... Uh, the Hobbit and the uh, Fellowship and Return right. of the King it's and all the that. It's the story of the rings being, of power. Yeah, being uh, produced and everything. Um, so we have a, a whole like gamut of uh, people from different races and colors and creeds in that series. Um, and I think there are like six characters that aren't white, that are specifically black. Doesn't matter that they're black or not, but people were losing their shit 
because apparently there's a dwarf who's played by a black woman, a few elves that are played by black people, and I think just a regular man also played by a black person. I don't fucking remember exactly. It's all bullshit. Their arguments are fucking bullshit. Um, because there's nothing specifically in Tolkien's universe that says these characters have to be white. Right. Uh, hell, uh, several of the characters they say in in Tolkien... I, I know a few of the characters, he specifically calls them of dark skin. Wow. I don't know to what shade or anything like that, but Tolkien is a, a creator. Whenever he created this entire world, it was the idea of just different people... From yeah. different you know, or from different worlds of varying ranges of skin color and everything, and people went apeshit the moment they found out there was at least half the cast that was of a different color than white. So to be fair, yes. balance TM. <laughs> um, black elves are a thing. Elves are predominantly light skinned. But in all of fantasy, there's a race called the Drow, or Dark Elves. Mm-hmm. So, they, they, they fucking exist. It's within the universe, like, yeah. I guess you could be mad if you call them Elves instead of Drow, but Drow just stands in for Dark Elf. Yeah. So, it is, like, I mean, if you want to, like, base it on fucking fantasy and shit, like... D&D, there's a race of dark elves called the Drow. They they live in the Underdark, granted. One thing about D&D, I've never felt that it was ever exclusionary to any race whatsoever. Oh, no. It's always been inclusive. It's the idea of a bunch of white racist dipshits being like, no, less whites in TV bullshit is just asinine. Um, One other thing I also found funny is that we also get like a young Gladriel um, uh, in it, and she's holding a the suit of armor with the sword and shield and everything, and people were losing her shit because they're apparently going to get a woke version of Gladriel. And I was like, you've clearly never read any of the books. Like, I've read uh, The Hobbit and uh, Fellowship in The Two Towers. I haven't read uh, Return of the King, but Gladriel is a pretty fucking badass character. Just from her, even if you've just watched the movies alone, her interaction with Frodo and her test with the ring and everything is fucking badass. Yeah. So this idea that we're going to get a woke version of Gladriel is just asinine bullshit once again. Um, and uh, you know what? Just across the board, when it comes to nerd fandom of any kind, people are the worst. Yeah. Whether it be League of Legends, fucking Lord of the Rings, or Star Wars. Especially when you remember whenever, uh, what's his name, that played Finn, um, John Boyega. In the uh, Force Awakens, the first shot of that first trailer, after decades of not getting any more Star Wars, the first shot of that first trailer was Finn popping up uh, in the shot over a dune sea. Um, he's black? And he's black. And he was in Stormtrooper garb, and there was a whole fucking slew of shit because there's Stormtroopers aren't supposed to be black, blah, 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 whatever the fuck somebody made, or some argument that somebody made, so... There's constantly going to be that. The only issue I have with it is that some of us tend to give those people that are arguing in favor of more whiteness too much attention. Yeah. I think we should be aware of it, but I think we should just shoo them away. Yeah, like, oh, yeah, that's that's cool. 
Go over there and play with your friends. <laughs> Go circle jerk with your other white friends, and yeah, we're gonna do awesome shit over here. <laughs> your bagel bites will be ready. In 20 minutes. <laughs> all right. Calm your tits. <laughs> um, anyway, all this out of the way, Ryan. Um, let's get on to our partnership with Newsly. Um, and it's just simply newsly.me. You go uh, type it into your URL, and it'll give you all the information about you- Newsly. And Newsly is simply a news site aggregator where they read the news to you. No matter the article or the website, it'll read it to you. In a very nice, calm, even voice. It's not robotic like, say, Siri or Alexa or Google. Google even has more of a, like, a, the Google voice assistant yeah. bullshit. has a bit of a robotic voice to it. Newsly, not so much. Hell, not at all. Um, I've listened to it off and on throughout since we've partnered up with them, and it's fantastic. One of the biggest issues we have nowadays is people not reading the actual article itself, just reading the headlines, and then just uh, assuming what the article is going to be about, or just picking uh, snippets here and there just for the confirmation biases. No matter what it is, Newsly takes all that uh, out of the equation. You get the full article. You get it read to you, headline, and the actual uh, subject of the matter. Um, but So you can do your other shit, like yeah. drive or clean your house. Or, or work. Or write inflammatory messages about the Star Wars universe <laughs> right. and how people shouldn't be black. Right. <laughs> you know, whatever you're into. <laughs> right. Uh, and you can find uh, Newsly at the uh, Android and iOS app stores just, as just well. Just a quick caveat. Yeah. Neither uh, neither Nerdinian nor, nor New- Newsly, Newsly. <laughs> condone <laughs> racist behavior. <laughs> no, no. Yeah, that was ever <laughs> just, on anybody's just mind. Just in case. <laughs> right. Like, that was a flippant joke about how stupid people are. Yes. Not necessarily yep. going, well, they said I could do it while I listen. <laughs> um, and uh, Fuck Kathleen Kennedy. <laughs> On top of Newsly reading the news to you, you can also find uh, podcasts from over 40 countries. Uh, and you can also find ours amongst those as well. If you want to start a premium uh, service through Newsly, and it will give you a more tailored experience, give you unlimited more articles, skips. unlimited skips, things like that, you can start up a premium service. Uh, and then, if you uh, during the whole process of setting up the account, they'll ask for a promo code. If you put in our promo code, you get one month for free. And the promo code is simply Nerdinian with the I's and O's replaced with ones and zeros. So it's N-E-R-D, the number one, the letter N, the number 10, and then the letter N once again. Just Nerdinian, Nerdinian with the ones and zeros replaced, or the I's and O's replaced with ones and zeros. And if anything I've fucking said at all during this whole promo has been confusing, everything's in the show description. So Don't worry, it always is. Yes, uh, <laughs> along with the link, you just hit it right there and just cut, copy, paste with the promo code and everything. So, anyway, I'm Greg Vance. And I'm Ryan Downing. And we are Nerdinian, and we go week by week, scene by scene, beat by beat, and talk about the movie of the week. We've done Indiana Jones, we've done Predator, Aliens, we've done DCEU up to this point. And uh, this week, we've done The Matrix, and this week we are doing, uh, or this few weeks, we're doing the Ghostbusters Uh, Last episode, we did the first Ghostbusters. This one, we're doing the Ghostbusters 2 that was released in 1989. Before we get into it, make sure to comment, rate, subscribe. Yeah. Uh, tell us what you like about uh, 
the Ghostbusters franchise. Tell us what movies you're interested in us doing. So yeah, make sure you go to everything that you do, uh, normally do to comment, rate, subscribe. And also, this week is is perfect for the Ghostbusters movies because you want to honor Ivan Reitman and his passing. Pour one out for him. Light a candle. Say a prayer. Whatever you do. Put on your proton pack and bust some ghosts. <laughs> right. Uh, watching Find this some movie. Slime. Yeah, this movie is the perfect. Play with the baby. <laughs> right. We get to all that shit. <laughs> whatever, whatever you want to do. <laughs> right. Uh, just, uh, just to show your appreciation for Ivan Reitman, and uh, I know they won't know about it, but the condolences to the Reitman family. Uh, I think he he definitely has a son. I think he has a daughter, Catherine Reitman, is her name. I know he has a son, Jason Reitman. He directed Afterlife, and he's directed Juno and a few other things as well. So he's a director in his own right. So, and he also makes an appearance in this movie, Blazing Saddles. And I think his daughter does as well. I know for a fact Jason Raymond makes an appearance in the movie. I think his daughter does as well. I'll have to point it out, but I'm not 100%. Um, But before we get into the movie, let's listen to the trailer. At the stroke of midnight, on New Year's Eve of the last decade of the 20th century, America's largest city is about to pay for the nastiness of its inhabitants. When that day comes, when the slime starts to rise, the Titanic just arrived. When ghosts start arriving by the boatload, we gotta find the guys. There's only one thing to do. Sometimes weird things happen. Someone has to deal with it. And who are you gonna call? Suck in the cuts, guys. We're the Ghostbusters. The superstars of the supernatural are back to nuke the spooks. Two in the box. Ready to go. We be fast and they be slow. Make some time. Don't put any of those old cheap moves on me. No, no, no. It's different. I have all new cheap moves. Raise your spirits. If we don't do something by midnight, you will be remembered in history as the man who let New York get sucked down into the 10th level of hell. And kick some slime. Looks like a giant jello mold. I hate jello. Oh, come on. There's always room for jello. Happy New Year. Close them. Ghostbusters 2. You're short. Your belly button sticks out too far, and you're a terrible burden on your poor mother. Bill Murray, Dan Aykroyd, Sigourney Weaver, Harold Ramis, Rick Moranis, and Ernie Hudson in an Ivan Reitman film. Ghostbusters 2. We're the best, we're the beautiful, we're the only Ghostbusters. Before we get into this movie, real quick, I need need to uh, just put this disclaimer out. So, the guy that plays Vigo, do you know much about him? No. So, back in the 60s, he was uh, convicted of sexually assaulting, I'm not going to say to what extent uh, this happened, but sexually assaulting his stepmother. 
Um, and then he was in this movie and everything, and he was just a piece of shit type person. So I'm not gonna add, I'm not gonna mention the actor's name, um, just because he was clearly a piece of shit. But with the Vigo character, you have the guy on screen, and then you also have the person playing his voice because it's not the same person. Right. His voice, the Vigo character's voice, is played by Max von Sydow. So if I say Max or Sidow or even just the character's name Vigo, that's who I'm talking about. I don't want to mention the fucking actor's name whatsoever because obviously what he did was fucking heinous. And obviously this movie was produced in 88, 89, um, and he was over in some German state or whatever the fuck. And this is back in the 60s that this happened with him. So that type of information can easily just stay over there and no one would hear about it before right. he got apart. In the, so. in the age of before the internet. Right, right. Things. That information wasn't readily available to whoever needed it. So obviously he came over to America and started anew after dealing with all his bullshit. So we won't be mentioning that actor's name, but we will be obviously Max von Sydow. Uh, just want to get that out of the way. Um, this movie was written... Uh, by, like the last one, written by Dan Aykroyd and Harold Ramis, directed by Ivan Reitman, starring Bill Murray, Dan Aykroyd, Sigourney Weaver, Harold Ramis, Rick Moranis, Ernie Hudson, Annie Potts, um, Peter McNichol, Harris Ewan, David Margulis, Kurt Fuller, Janet Margolin. And that's pretty much it when it comes to the cast. There isn't there are other characters that pop in and out. Like you have Cheech Marin at one point yeah. on the docks with uh, just a random uh white guy next to him uh watching that t- uh, like you heard in the, the trailer Titanic the in. Titanic come in. Which shame on you eighties uh trailers for terrible puns. You you give away the joke saying the Titanic comes in and then you say the ghosts are coming in by the boatload. Oh. <laughs> I didn't even realize that. <laughs> um anyway. Bad. Shame on you. A little bit. Um <laughs> so let's get into this movie. Um the movie starts off with wording saying five years later. This is five years after the first movie. Find out what the guys have been up to here in a bit. But it opens up with Dana Barrett pushing her stroller and she has a child in the stroller. We don't know who he is or how this plays into Dana Barrett's life, but she has groceries in her hand as she's pushing the stroller and everything. She stops in front of her apartment building, puts on the brakes for her stroller, and starts talking to the superintendent about, uh, I think, a heater being broke in yeah. her kid's room. Um, and the superintendent is like, I thought I fixed that last week. And Dana's like, no, it's still fucking cold It's in still there. broken. Um, and he's like, all right, I'll get to it when I get to it. And as she's having this conversation, we see this small child in the stroller and the stroller starting to move. And they cut and hold on to the uh, wheels itself. We see that the brakes are locked in. They shouldn't be moving. But it moves further away. And the only thing I don't like about this beginning of the sequence is, is that she hesitates. She knows that the stroller was right next to her. Yeah. And then she watches it. It has stopped by the time she turns her head, and it's further away. And she hesitates. I was like, if you wouldn't have hesitated and just right away walked up to it, this could have been avoided altogether. Yeah, 100%. Um, but yeah, she hesitates, and then it just starts barreling down the sidewalk. You see Sigourney Weaver's Dana Barrett come uh, running right after it, telling people, stop that stroller. There's a it's baby. It's my baby. See, it's my baby. You see a few people trying to stop it, but we see the <laughs> we just see the stroller become sentient, and it turns. <laughs> I'm fast as fuck, boy. <laughs> yeah, and it just starts bobbing and weaving through traffic and everything. 
Um, and Dana's watching all this. She's just fucking just surprised by it nearly being hit by different cars or nearly tipping over. And then eventually it just comes to uh, the crosswalk in one of the streets and then just stops, stops completely. Dana runs up and she picks up the baby in a weird way. Yeah. Like this kid is, is supposed to be eight months in the movie. I'm like, support the fucking head. What are you doing? Because the way she just she picks up by the waist and just lifts it up out of the fucking stroller, I'm just like, yeah, he's going to have some control over his head, but you still want to hold on to the back of his fucking skull. <laughs> fucking hell, for whatever reason, yeah. Um, but yeah, so Now that your baby is safe and has whiplash, <laughs> right. let's get on to the next scene. Uh, yeah, we see the title card of Ghostbusters with the ghost with the two symbol. Two! Which, one of the things I don't like about this movie is that on their uniforms is the ghost two, two symbol. I was like... No, that it would just be the ghost symbol. Why would they have the two on there? It makes no sense. Because it's the second one, and how would you know? <laughs> right. Um, well, no. So actually, I'll defend that because, uh, as we find out later, the Ghostbusters were sued for all the damages done to the city. Right. And they went bankrupt, and so they can't. They can no longer use the Ghostbusters company or the logo or the trademarks and stuff because they no longer own it. So they had to, they had to change it. <laughs> I, I guess. Cause yeah, they can't use the original one. So Ghostbusters two, And maybe anyway, so we cut to, we see, uh, what is it? Uh, Ray and Winston, uh, walking into a birthday party or walking up to a mother and she's telling him like, um, they're really excited to see you. Only they're talking in vag- uh, vagaries when it comes to what they're about to approach into the and room. And you see them strapping on like their proton packs. Yeah, uh, so and- it seems like they're going to be dealing with something major, like a ghost or some sort of creature of some sort. And uh, Ray ends the conversation by saying, how tall are they? And the, the woman says, about four feet. They walk in, and it's a child's birthday party. And the mom walks in first, and she's like, all right, kids, I got something really special here for you. And I think one of the kids yells out, He-Man? And the the mom's like, no, 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 the Ghostbusters. And we see Ray and Winston come in. He's like, hi, kids. Uh, And another kid says, oh, you're not not He-Man. And right away, Ray and Winston was like, no, no. But we got a song and dance for you. Uh, We... Once again, the whole meta-ness of this movie with the two symbol on their uniforms and this song, the Ray Parker Jr. song, uh, is apparently a thing that exists in their universe because they start playing the song, they do their own dance, and it says, uh, who are you going to call? And the kids all start screaming, He-Man! Just jumping up and down, He-Man, 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 and Ray and Winston are like, whatever, let's go get a beer. Give us our money. <laughs> yeah, because that's pretty much what happens. Because we see them leaving the party, and uh, Ray or Winston is trying to convince Ray that this may this birthday party stuff may not be worth it anymore. I know it's the only source of revenue we have, but it's just not worth it anymore. Uh, being that we just got sued by every state, county, and city uh, in New York, municipality. Yeah, it's just not worth it anymore. And Ray's kind of seeing his point as well. He's seeing that it's not. Also, side note: yes, they are the Ghostbusters, but wouldn't the jumpsuits have been suffice and maybe just uh, like the PKE meter? Why would you bring a proton pack to a child's birthday party? In case you had to bust some ghosts. But they are essentially, we heard from the first movie, nuclear devices. Yeah. 
why would you bring that to a child's birthday party? It's fine. It's clean energy. <laughs> right. Um, anyway, just... It's the 80s. We're not worried about that. Right. What's not radiation? Yet. <laughs> right. Uh, it's probably fine. Uh, Ray reluctantly agrees with uh, Winston, and they get jump into the car. We then cut to... Uh, we see a, a sound studio of some sort. We see uh, three people on a sound stage in all in black. We hear chit chatting happening, and then we see a cameraman counting down three, two, one, and then the lights come up on the stage, and it's Vinkman interviewing two psychics. Uh, what is the show that he runs? I don't remember the name of the show he runs. I think it's just something's. Oh, World of the World of Psych of the Psychic. Yeah, that's it. War, world of the Psychic. And he has a female on one side. Uh, so we have um, Milton Anglin on one side uh, with his book, The End of the World. And then we have Elaine. We don't get her last, last name, name, just Elaine, uh, with her prediction of the end of the world. And he starts with Milton. And he, um, Vinkman says, all right, Milton, so when is the end of the world? And Milton's like, I believe the end of the world is going to be on New Year's Eve 1990 this coming new year's eve yeah very shortly and vingman's like well that doesn't give us much time to prepare why wouldn't you say oh uh end of the world is gonna happen on new year's eve in 1993 or how about 1996 and the guy's now talking over vingman and getting very fucking irate and almost about to cry are you fucking making fun of me like yes and he's like i have it on good authority that the world is gonna end on new year's eve at the stroke of midnight and Vinkman's like, all right, for your sake, I hope you're right. Uh, but my next guest may have a differing opinion. He looks over to Elaine, and he's like, Elaine, so when do you think the world is going to end? And then she goes into the story about how she was having a drink at the Paramus Hotel, and she was approached by someone, someone she believed to be an alien. He took her back to her room, his room, and that's when he proceeded to tell her that the end of the world would be... February 14th, 2016, Valentine's Day. So one of two things either happened here. Either she cheated on her husband, and she's just making up a story to try to explain away why she cheated on her husband, or something much more heinous went down, where she did have a drink at the Paramus Hotel, and something was slipped into her drink, and then she woke up and is compartmentalizing the assault that may have happened to her. Either... The two things could be true. And then she just went with this lie. But the first guy, Milton, he's correct. Yep. Because it, without the Ghostbusters intervening at the end of this movie, the end of the world would have been... Or... <laughs> or... She was just talking out her ass and she never even went to the Milton. There's also that. And she's just crazy, further showing that <laughs> Venkman has not changed at all. Because whenever you first meet him in the first movie, the male shows real psychic ability, (laughs) and he shocks him and lies and says that he's wrong, while the girl, who doesn't at all, doesn't at all, who's just talking out her ass, he's like, you're absolutely right. Yeah. So he is the same. (laughs) I think that's what they're trying to show here. Maybe. Not necessarily that... Something heinous went right. down with the woman. All right. Uh, but yeah, so Venkman's like, you know what? I don't know who's right. I don't know who's wrong, but we'll find out in a week or two or some shit like that. He gets up. He's like, all right, uh, next week's episode, we're going to talk about hairless pets. And he holds up a hairless cat. And he's like, weird. He hands it off stage. 
And then he says, and I'm Peter Vinkman, and he points to his head, thus indicating if you were able to read his mind, you know what he said. And then the show uh, cuts out, and it's Vinkman backstage talking to a producer saying, hey, why don't we get better people on the show? What What's going on? And the producer's like, well, everybody thinks that you're a hack. And Vinkman's like, I am a hack, yeah. but I want better people on the show. And then as he's talking to his producer, the mayor with his entourage of people go uh, briskly by Peter. Uh, Venkman is like, hey, Louis, Louis, you remember Louis? And we see the mayor look at Venkman, but then Venkman, or not Venkman, but the mayor's uh, and mayor's aide. Mayor's aide and soon to be governor of the state of New York because he's running for the gubernatorial yeah. uh, race. And he's the mayor's aide stops him. Kurt Fuller's character, I think his name is uh, Jack uh, Hardemeyer. Uh, Jack walks in front of him and is like, hey, I'm Jack Hardemeyer. What do you need? And Vinkman's like, well, we kind of saved the city the last time I seen the mayor. And I was hoping if he could you know, help us with some uh, collection agencies. Some people are trying to sue us. Maybe he can help in that manner as well. And Jack's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. I know who you are. I just don't see any ghosts around you. And Vinkman's like, uh-huh. I see what you're doing. I see what you're doing. Um, and then uh, Jack proceeds to tell Vinkman, like, Stay away from the mayor. He Basically, doesn't want, fuck off. He doesn't want anything to do with you guys. You guys are a fucking poison to his uh, gubernatorial race. Stay away. Cut to, I think it's it's Dana walking up to Egon's place of employment. Um, and it is the Institute of Advanced Theoretical Research. Oh, completely forgot about it. So, whenever they... Uh, f- the when Ray and Winston walk into the birthday party before they start the whole song and dance number, a kid walks up and says to Ray and Winston, Hey, my dad thinks you're full of crap. And Ray's like, yeah, well, a lot of people have a hard time believing in the occult and ghosts and all that. And the kid's like, yeah, I don't know anything about that. My dad just says you're full of crap. And that's Jason Reitman. Oh, okay. That kid right there. I only remembered it because we were about to uh, meet, I believe it's his daughter, Catherine Reitman. Um, so the little girl with the puppy that I believe is, if oh, I remember correctly, that's okay. Catherine Reitman. Uh, but Dana walks into Egon's place of employment, and he's doing a study on whether or not uh, humans emo- human emotions affect the environment around them in some manner, either raising or lowering the temperature, depending on what's going on in the room. And we see um, a husband and wife in a room. They think they're here for couples counseling, and they're constantly being told, uh, five more minutes, ten more minutes. 20 more minutes before the as actual therapist can see you. As he's turning up the, the heat, heat in the room. room. Um, so we see uh, Egon's assistant go into the room, tell him maybe 10 more minutes. And then the guy just throws his coat down and they start arguing back and forth. The guy like pounds on the wall, like, whoa, whoa is me type bullshit. And, and as this is happening, we see Dana explaining everything that happened with uh, her son Oscar in the stroller. And how it just took off and then just randomly stopped in the middle of the road. And she's not sure why. And Egon's listening to this all uh, as Dana is explain, explaining it. He's talking to his uh, lab assistants. He's got uh, several of them. I think like two or three in the lab with yeah. him. And then they see someone bringing a puppy for a little girl inside like some sort of like room that she's playing with all these toys around. They hand her the puppy. She's very excited to see the little puppy. Um, Dana sees this, uh, and Egon is watching it happen and everything, and they're all very like, oh, look at the little girl with the puppy. That's so um, cute. Then Egon says, hey, I would like to bring Ray in on this. And Dana's like, sure, but not Venkman. 
So clearly something has happened between Dana and Vengman. We just don't know what. Right. We're picking up the pieces as, as we go along. And Egon's like, no, no, no. I wouldn't involve Vengman whatsoever. As she uh, turns her back towards Egon, she asks, does he ever ask about me? And then Egon turns back to her and like raises his PKE meter up and down her body, behind her back, of course, just judging to see if there's any right. sort of like... Uh, emotional uh, attachment to the idea of Vinkman talking to her or anything like that. Egon's like, no, no, he barely has said anything about you. And then we see Dana's face just turn into like, oh, that's a shame. She doesn't say as much, but she has that look of shucks. Oh, man. And then she says, thanks, Egon, kisses him on the cheek, and then walks away. Uh, holds for a beat. Egon's very happy he got a kiss from Dana. And then he looks at his lab assistant, and he's like, let's see what happens if we take, take away... Take the puppy away. <laughs> take the puppy away. You fucking monster! <laughs> right. That's how John Wick's happened. <laughs> right? <laughs> we then cut to, I think, Ray's... Or no, no, it's Dana at her place of employment. And um, she's doing some sort of... the first time we meet the curator. Yeah. Uh, what is his name? Jonas... Jonas? Jonas. Jonas. Yeah. Um, and yeah, we see him just directing people what, where to put stuff, uh, in what area, the museum, and they're in some sort of like uh, art restoration area. And he has a, I cannot pinpoint the accent. He has an accent to it, but I don't know what it's from. It's like, uh, uh, like Bolshevik, uh, French, um, Portuguese type accent, Sesame all. Street Swedish chef. Yeah, it's all like thrown into the, like this. It's hard to pinpoint what it is. <laughs> it's can you do an accent? Yes. <laughs> From where? All of them. <laughs> Everywhere. <laughs> what do you mean? He speaks. Ah, perfect. <laughs> yes. Where? Uh, where is that from? Me. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, Earth. It's from Earth. Uh, yeah, whatever accent this. Uh, the what was the actor's name? Harris. Not Harris. Peter uh, McNichol. I don't know what accent he. I don't even know if he talks in that actual accent. But yeah, this is an accent. At one point, he gets sprayed with like the good slime. He's like, "Why am I covered with goo?" Uh, so Dana is like, she's some sort of like art restorer, like restoration person. Um, yep. She plays the cello and apparently is into restoring art as well. Um, because she's doing the process of doing that with an old painting. We see a big ass painting of Vigo get carted in and put like in the center of the room that they're in. Um, just staring at everybody with his arm on his uh, hip and his other arm on some sort of like pillar right next to him. Just very menacing and very yep. heroic esque type bullshit. A very, a very like nineteenth century yeah. royalty portrait. Mm. We see Dana just doing her normal routine. Uh, Janos is looking over her work. She walks over past. Uh, Janos and grabs something from a nearby tray next to the Vigo painting. We see part of the Vigo painting right where the head is, like lift up out of the painting, look at her smirk, and then poof, go right back in before she can even notice what's happening. She gets some sort of like eerie feeling from the painting, but we don't see, uh, it she gives, doesn't see anything. It gives her the heebie jeebies. Yes. 
We then cut to uh, Ray's occult books, and uh, we see Egon and Ray just talking about Vigo the Carpathian, about uh, what happened. Do they talk about Vigo? No, I don't think so. I don't no, they're talking yet. about random events of like different strollers like taking off yeah. for no reason. Uh, Vigo comes later. Obviously trying to work on Dana's, Dana's issue. issue. Um, and as they're talking back and forth, we then have Vinkman coming in. And they're just all chit-chatting, uh, enjoying each other's company. Obviously, Ray runs this bookstore because obviously the Ghostbuster business is not no longer lucrative because they got sued right. uh, out of the actual Ghostbusting business. So, Vinkman is asking Ray, he's like, all right, let's blow this popsicle stand and go get some food. And Ray's like, no, I can't. I'm working on something for somebody. And Vinkman's oh, like, what are you working on? Oh, for who? Just a friend. And then Vinkman's like, all right, okay, just who? Tell me who. And Ray makes up some sort of uh, former friend that he had that uh, came back into contact with him. But Venkman is not hearing any of it. He doesn't, he thinks he's lying from the start. Yeah. And immediately grabs Ray's ears and starts twisting. And he's like, all right, all right. Ray says this. He's like, all right, all right, I'll tell you, it's for Dana, Dana Barrett. And right away, Venkman drops him and he's like, my Dana? And then they uh, give her give him a brief overdue, overview of what happened with Dana and the kid. And we see Peter's like, oh, shit. And we then cut to, it's later in the night, and it's Jonas, uh, like, touching up the Vigo painting. And everybody's gone but him. He's on this big ladder at the top of the painting, just trying to touch it up a bit. And then he gets zapped by some sort of, like, lightning of something. He tumbles down the steps. Uh, stands in front of it, and then we just see Vigo manifest in front of him, like a floating head uh, manifest in front of him. He's like, I am Vigo the torturer, Vigo the Carpathian, ruler of... What? He mentioned some city with an M. I don't remember. Moldovia or something like that. Janos is like, oh, yes, mighty Vigo, what is I bidding? He's like, well... Uh, long and short of it, I want a kid. I want to possess a kid. So you're going to find me a kid. Listen, listen, listen. <laughs> I am incorporeal right now, and I would very much like to be corporeal. <laughs> but I can't be corporeal right. in like by inhabiting you because you're too fucking old. <laughs> I need so, a young boy. I need a baby. <laughs> <laughs> Bring me a baby so I can get all corporeal in it. <laughs> and then Giannis is like, a baby? What baby? And then, a baby! <laughs> <laughs> and then we just see a bunch of lightning just zap right out of the... <laughs> okay, fuck, fuck, a baby! <laughs> Jesus! Yano uh, is like, oh, yes, a baby, I know. Obviously hinting at Oscar. Uh, we cut to the next day. I know the perfect one because he's obsessed with Dana. Yes. Uh, he has this weird crush on Dana. He's constantly trying to get her attention. Um, we then uh, cut to Dana in her apartment. Her baby's being watched over by a nanny as Dana's practicing on her cello. And just a few notes uh, being hit before there's a knock on the door. Uh, she go- Dana answers it, and it's Ray on the other side with Egon. Uh, they both enter the apartment. She greets them both, and before Dana closes the door, Ray's about to say something, and then Vinkman comes barreling into it. 
it raised like he grabbed me by the ears. He twisted. I I just couldn't. Um, I love this exchange from Venkman. So Dana closes the door, walks about halfway to where Venkman is, says, hello, Peter. And then he turns around. Hello, Dana. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, it does like the... Very uh, soap opera esque. Hold on a second. I need to put on my blue steel look. <laughs> Hello, Dana. <laughs> I love for whatever reason. Uh, he then turns back around. Uh, they, uh, Egon and Ray start checking out the kid, and uh, Ray, uh, or not Ray, but uh, Venkman goes over to Dana's cello, hoists it up like a guitar, and just starts plucking away while. Egon and Ray are looking over Oscar. And they're just naming a bunch of tests that they're going to do on Oscar. Just basic, like, height, weight, shit like that. Only it doesn't sound like that. Right. It sounds very menacing. And Dana's like, no, no, none of this is going to hurt him. And Egon and Ray are like, no, 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 no. There's, none of this is going to hurt no, him. No, no, no. Well, maybe a little. <laughs> no. <laughs> right. No. Um, so Vinkman starts strumming on the cello. Just the, 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 whatever the fuck it is. Uh, Dana sees this, goes over to Venkman, takes the cello away from him, and uh, Venkman, once again, is trying to be his charming self when it comes to Dana, and Dana, she's intrigued by it, but she's also very like, okay, it's, oh, apparently not much has changed about Venkman. Oh, this is very much the same person that he was. <laughs> right. Um, and Venkman's like... As ah. if the uh, the entrance wasn't... <laughs> evidence right. enough <laughs> right. and uh Venkman's like what happened to us and Dana's like well you kind of got bored and it's whenever you started calling me the old ball and chain where I was like all right I'm done with this and that's why we're no longer together uh, Venkman's like look I know I was in the wrong whenever I started acting weird around you but it's just I'm a mess, Dana, and I, I'm pretty sure within the next century or two, I'll be able to figure it all out, and then we can go out. Um, we then cut to Egon and Ray uh, doing their tests on uh, uh, e- or not on Egon, Oscar. Oscar, and he's uh, sitting upright, and I wrote him down, so they say, <laughs> for whatever reason, male Caucasian, approximately 24 inches in length, 18 pounds, and 18 months. As they measure him and get a, try to get a rough estimate of uh, how much he weighs, things like that. And then they start doing like uh, aural test, A-U-R-A-L test, where they start snapping at, a, at his ears. The kid starts responding to him. They check his uh, the pupils if they dilate. And then they check to see if he's ticklish. They start tickling under his arms. And we just hear Oscar go, <laughs> and they're like, oh, he's baby ticklish. Um, and then Egon and Ray is like, hey, can we see the kid's room at all? And Dana's like, sure. They, she escorts them in. And uh, Venkman is now watching over the kid, staring at Oscar for like a few yeah. seconds. Oscar's staring back at him. And Venkman's like, hey, you come here often? Shakes the kid. Uh, he's like, I'm Peter. Uh, shakes the kid's hand. He picks up Oscar, which he does a better job at it than his own mother from the stroller. Right. Um, uh, so Peter bring, uh, picks him up and then he just starts playing with the kid. At one point he makes it seem like the kid is attacking his nose. He starts screaming out, like, ah, he's got me. He's got me. Uh, we cut to inside Oscar's room and Dan is just showing them like, look, his room is a mess. And Ray and Egon are like, 
we're not going to play with anything. We just want to get some readings from the room, see what's going on right. in here. Egon mentions that it's a very cheerful room, and then he mentions that uh, he never had any toys growing up. And Ray is like, what are you talking about? Or no, before he says this, we hear Finkbin from the other room yell out. Dana goes out to see what's going on, and then Ray's like, you never even had any toys whatsoever? And Egon's like, we had a slinky once, but it was about half of a slinky, and I flattened it on a rail line. And then we cut to, obviously, Egon had just the weirdest fucking childhood ever. We cut to Vinkman and uh, Oscar, and he's just playing with Oscar. Just And Oscar's, like, cooing and giggling a little bit, and uh, Dana walks up, and he's, <laughs> right away, Peter, to try to be the, the strong, silent type, the tough guy, he's like, yeah, he had uh, some spittle on his chest or something, some white film came out. Just trying to play it nonchalantly like he was being... Like, oh, I wasn't I wasn't actually enjoying myself playing <laughs> right. this kid. I was, I was just, he, he had something on him. Right. Um, Dana's like, oh, yeah, he's fine. Uh, wipes off his mouth, and then Dana asks him, he's like, so... What do you think? Is he going to be all right? And Vingman's like, well, I don't have much experience with children, but it seems fine to me. Um, he stinks. Was his father a stinker? Um, Dana doesn't say anything. And then Peter's like, he's fucking ugly. Uh, was his father ugly as well? I was like, Jesus Christ. <laughs> kind of a dick. It's like, a baby. <laughs> A few seconds pass, Venkman goes into Oscar's room, and we see Ray, like, uh, examining one of the walls. Well, or not Ray, but Egon's examining one of the walls. Well, Ray is under the crib, like, taking a PKE, PKE meter reading under the bed. He slides out from under the bed, and Egon right away is like, I would like to get some gynecological tests done on the mother. And right away, Venkman's like, who wouldn't? <laughs> yeah, me too! <laughs> We then cut to so Dana uh, agrees to show them where in oh, the street yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, that they that Oscar stopped at. So she shows them it. They're trying to duck and weave past traffic and everything, and then they get to the area where Oscar's stroller stopped. And uh, Dana's like, "It stopped right here. I don't know why. There was no reason for it to stop." And they all three, Venkman, Egon, and Ray, all three look at one another, and then we slowly fade to it's now nighttime. And they are working on the road. We just see Egon at first working on the road um, with like some sort of like uh, pyramid framework over where the hole is that they're drilling. And uh, up behind. Surrounded by like. Just debris. Blockades and. Yeah, yeah. Barricades and stuff. So basically blocking off part of traffic to do what they need to do. And it all looks very official, all very much like the city of uh, Manhattan or New York, wherever the fuck. They have the whole, they have a jackhammer, Egon has a jackhammer in his hands, and he's just knocking out sections of the road. Uh, up behind him pulls a cop, and the cop is like, hey, how are you? Egon says, hey, I'm fine, how about you? And the cop says, I'm fine, um, what, what are you, are you doing? doing? <laughs> and Egon doesn't say anything, and then uh, Vinkman and Ray come up, and... Vinkman is trying his damnedest to just uh, lie his, or obviously he's lying his ass off, but charm the cop into just going away so that they they can continue the work. Uh, Vinkman says that, yeah, we're working on the phone lines. Apparently some uh, stooge downtown demanded that we come up here and start working on the phone lines because clearly something's gone awry with the phone lines. The cop's like, all right, and then drives off. 
Ray says, okay, so how far are we? And Egon right away is like, oh, why you guys were out getting coffee? I don't know. Look at it. And they look down the hole and they just see nothing but blackness, but they hear some sort of like gurgling, uh, bubbling or something yeah. down in the hole in some manner. Um, they both stand up. He's like, or all three of them stand up and we see Venkman's like, somebody's got to go down there. Then we hear Egon say, yeah, somebody's got to go down there. And then Ray says, yeah, someone definitely has to go down there. And Venkman and Egon both look at Ray and Ray is like, shit. Uh, cut to Ray being lowered into the hole. He's getting lower and lower and lower. And then he he's maybe like 10 feet above where all this gurgling is coming from. And he's like, oh, it's slime. Just a mountains and mountains and a giant ass river of slime. Uh, it's covering the entire pneumatic trainway, the decommissioned trainway. We hear Venkman and Egon trying to hear him. He's not entirely clear because he's obviously yelling through a bunch of concrete and steel and piping and everything, trying to tell them all this information. We see uh, Ray go down a little bit more, stops, pulls out a device. We then cut to on street level. And that cop, along with some sort of electrical engineer, is now with the cop, uh, walking up to V... V Venkman. Venkman. And Egon. Egon. And uh, right away, the guy, the electrical engineer, is like, what the fuck are you doing? The phone lines are over there. I don't know why you're over here. This is where the power lines are. And Venkman just smacks Egon in the head. He's like, what did I tell you? You idiot! The phone lines are over there. Uh, and the cop says, hey, we called downtown, and there's nobody, nobody scheduled to, to be here. here. So why don't you tell me something else? And then Vinkman holds for a bit. He's like, I got a lot of problems over here. I've got all this smoke right here, all this debris right here next to it. What do you think all this is coming from? The sky? And then we cut to uh, inside the ground where Ray is, and he's now scooped up some of the slime in some sort of device. And, like a grabber. Yeah, of some sort secures it onto his belt, and then starts yelling for the guys. He's like, all right, now pull me up. Pull me up. We see some of the slime starting to try to notice that Ray's there dangling above it. It starts trying to reach for Ray. Ray's trying to kick it away, but with each time that it tries to grab Ray, it gets bolder and bolder and bolder, uh, just sending out more and more slime to grab Ray. And Ray's starting to panic, and he starts yelling, like, pull me up, pull me up. Venkman and Egon hear that. The cop says, hey, who do you have down there? We see e- or we see Ray being just shot back up to the hole. He's swinging and kicking his feet er- everywhere. He then ends up knocking out a pipe that then knocks out the power lines for like all of New York. Yep. Because we see the power lines go out around them, and then we cut to like a wide shot of like Manhattan Island, dark. and then just everything fucking cutting to black. Um, we then cut to Dana in her apartment. She's walking with a candle into Oscar's room. She's checking on Oscar. He's very fine. He's just up and alert. Everything's pitch black except for her candle. She then hears a knock on the door, and on the other side of the door is Janos. And he's like, I was just in the neighborhood. I thought you could, with the blackout, I was worried about the baby. And you, the baby! <laughs> yeah, are you fine? And Dana's like, yeah, we're fine. And we see Yano's trying to walk in. He's like, "No, no, Yano's. He's still kind of sleeping. I don't. We don't need to do anything." Oh, we also hear Yano's is like, "Heal, baby." I was like, "What the fuck are we doing?" It's fucking ridiculous. <laughs> it's just fucking ridiculous. And Dana's like, "Shh, shh, 
he's still sleeping. And he's like, oh, I'm sorry. He's still sleeping. And I went, yee-hoo. <laughs> so I'm sorry. Yeah, that's what happened, you crazy <laughs> person from an unknown country. <laughs> right. Uh, but Dan is like, look, we're fine. You can just go back to your place. And Giannis is like, all right. Um, I'll see you some other time. We'll take a rain check on some dinner. I think he mentions a dinner or some shit. Um, Dana closes the door. Janos uh, nods his head a few times and then turns around and then flips something on inside of him and his eyes are nothing but like big ass headlights because you just see bright light being shone, mm. uh, shine, shown from his eyes as he walks down the hallway. Obviously indicating that he has now some sort of like supernatural ability of some yeah. sort. We then cut to the next day. Um, we see Ray, Egon, and Venkman all in a courtroom uh, in the defendant side, the left side of the courtroom. Um, we see Jack uh, Hardemeyer. He's telling the prosecutors, like, make sure these stick. I don't want to see them for at least 20 years. And the prosecutor's like, yeah, with these charges, they're going to go away for a this long time. going to be at least that. Um, and then we see Winston walk up to Ray, Egon, and Venkman. He's like, look. I don't know what the fuck you guys did last night, but you've pissed off a lot of people. People are mad. <laughs> and then uh, we see Lewis Tully slam a bunch of books down on the table. And he's like, look, I'm an accountant. And the most I do when it comes to being a lawyer is just tax laws. That's it. And I got my law degree at night. And then Ray's like, that's fantastic, uh, Lewis. We got arrested at night. And then Ray slams his head on the on the table. <laughs> <laughs> That's probably one of my favorite jokes. It's perfect. This kiss it. Um. Okay, I thought I had the judge's name on here in some way, but the judge walks in. They say, "All rise," and now they're going on their court proceedings. But before that happens. Uh, the judge says, I don't want to hear anything about any fucking ghosts or supernatural event or some weird creature because that's all fucking bullshit. I don't want to hear any of it. Court proceedings start happening. Uh, who's the first witness? I don't remember. So uh, we, we see Louis Tully make an opening statement and he just says, yeah, my guys couldn't do it because they're good guys and good guys wouldn't do evil things. And yeah, they're just... We, this is ridiculous because they're really good guys. And then he just walks back to his table. Then the first... I think that's Vinkman is the first guy on the I think so. stand because uh, we have Vinkman just telling Lewis what to say to the court. Uh, we he's just saying, yeah, we're just good guys. We're trying to help out a friend, and we see Lo- Lewis uh, saying the same things that you're just, just good guys, it back. paying it back. Yeah, and uh, as this is happening, we see the prosecutor stand up. He's like. He's clearly badgering his uh, his, his lawyer, <laughs> and uh, what is it? Lewis is like, "Hey, come on, we're we're both trying to do." It. He walks up to the prosecutor. Lewis Tully does. He's like, "Hey, look, we're both trying to do a good job here." He walks back up to the judge. He's like, "Look, I'm sorry, this will never happen again." And then the judge is like, "Do you have any more relevant questions uh, to Mr. Vinkman?" He looks to Vink- Peter and he's like, "Do we?" And Vinkman's like, "No, no, no we're good for now." And then Peter gets off this uh, witness stand, and then we have the uh, the electrical engineer that was with the cop that night. And the prosecutor picks up uh, that jar of slime that's in it, and he's like, do you recognize any of these implements on this evidence table? And the cop's like, I'm a, I don't know, well, hunting ghosts? I have no idea what they're used for. 
And then the prosecutor picks up the jar with the slime in it. He's like, do you recognize this? Hands it to the witness, the electrical engineer. He's like, I've never seen this stuff. I've been working uh, at this job for 25 years, and I've never seen anything like this. Whatever this is, they put that there. Ray immediately stands up. He's like, that's a lie. Um, and the judge is like, shut up or something like that. He just yells for Ray to sit the fuck down. Yeah, basically, like. Do it again, and you'll be in contempt of court. Yep. Uh, we then cut to it's later in the court proceedings, and um, they the judge has made his ruling. He's like, "You guys." Well, I want to say there's. Lewis says something like, "I don't know if they do close. I don't think they. I don't think they do closing arguments because after like closing the statements or something like that. But like, maybe it's in his opening statement whenever he's talking about how they're good guys. He's like. They saved me when I was a dog. Oh, that's right. Yeah, yeah. Because the judge is like, what the fuck just what happened the, there? What the hell are you talking about? <laughs> yeah. Um, uh, but yeah, the judge is now, uh, what is it? Peter Venkman, Ray Stance, and Egon Spangler. I find you all three guilty. Uh, he mentions the charge. And he's like, you guys are going to spend... He mentions a fine as well. And he's like, you guys are going to be remanded in the state correctional facility for 18 months. Furthermore... And then he adds in... You- you guys are just you're shitheads, and I'm fucking over it. And, and yeah, he just gets more and, and more see, angrier as he's saying like, all this. I think it's Egon like notices the touches slime. Ray and like is pointing at the slime, and you see it start bubbling up and bubbling mm-hmm. up and bubbling up. And as he's getting more and more I vehemently read. angry, yeah, eventually because at one point we see Ray is like, "Oh, Your Honor," um, and then the, the judge is like, "I'm, I'm not, not finished yet." <laughs> And then right when that happens, uh, the jar pops open with two ghosts coming out of it and everything. And it's the we hear the judge say, oh, it's the Scarelli brothers. I can't remember why he sent them to the electric chair, but he's like, I sent them to the electric chair years ago. One of them is strapped into the electric chair. So. I thought they both were. Were they both? I thought they both were. They both bust out of the electric chair, uh, and then they start wreaking havoc. Maybe. Uh, but yeah, all all hell is broken loose in this courtroom. Most of the witnesses watching the court proceedings have now left. We have uh, the four Ghostbusters, Louis Tully, and the prosecutor, and the judge are still in the room. So the judge uh, and the Ghostbusters hide behind some sort of like bare like wall near the judge's stand. As they are trying to figure out what to do, the door is now locked behind them. They can't get out. Nothing can happen. And the judge looks at the Ghostbusters. He's like, "Look, I." you guys go do something. And Lewis Tully right away is like standing in the way. He's like, no, no, no. Uh, they've got, uh, so they, they are, uh, there's some sort of like judicial ruling where they can't do ghost busting. Right. Whatsoever. They can't bust ghosts. And the prosecutor mentions that early on, they can't do ghost busting anymore. They can't deal with anything when it comes to ghost busting. They are finished or supernatural type stuff. Right. And then Lewis Tully steps in and is like, look, they're under some sort of like uh, judicial mandate. They can't be doing uh, any of this ghost busting. And so I guess these guys are just going to kill you. Sucks to be you. And the judge is like, all right, all right. I rescind the judicial ruling. Uh, as that happens, we hear the prosecutor being uh, ta- uh, like picked up by her ankle and uh, just drug out or like flown out by one of the ghosts. Lewis also gets him to dismiss these charges as well. Yeah, yeah. 
He's like, oh, well, they, I mean, they could help, but, you know, you just sentenced them to jail. And they're, I mean, you know, maybe if they weren't going to jail, maybe they would help you out. He's like, all right, fine. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> Get them. Uh, they're all chair. And then we see them all suiting up. Uh, they all have just the regular court suits on. None of the jumpsuits. And they strap on the proton packs. Yep, all four of them. And now they're just waiting for the ghost to reappear. They're just standing there waiting. We see, I think, Egon's got a trap with him along with the proton pack and everything. And they're just waiting, and nothing happens for a few seconds. And then, bam, both ghosts appear in the courtroom, and they start uh, unloading their proton packs at the ghosts. They hit them a few times, but then nothing happens. The ghosts, like, barrel towards them and then just disappear completely. We see Egon, or not Egon, we see Venkman just yell out. It's like, ah, and then stops completely, and then they all start laughing. All of them. It starts with Vinkman, then Egon, then Ray, then Ernie, and then Lewis as well. They all just start fucking laughing for whatever reason. And then while they're in the middle of their laugh, bam, both ghosts show up again. And we have Egon and... No, we have Vinkman and Ray. Is it Ray? No, Ray's got the trap. So we have Ray with the trap. We have Egon uh, on one of the ghosts. And then we have Ernie, or we have Winston and Vinkman on the other one. And they're just basically maneuvering him over to the trap. We see Ray toss the trap on the ground. He's like, trap is ready to go. Bring him in, bring him in, bring him in. They bring him both over the opening of the trap. Uh, Ray hits the uh, foot pedal. It opens up. They grabs the ghost, brings Sucks him back him down. In. And we just hear the trap close and then beeping. They all walk up. Venkman kicks it a few times, like nudges it with his toe. He's like, huh? Huh? Uh, but yeah, they say uh, two... Uh, Okay, so what is it? It's two in the box, ready to go. We be fast, but they, they be, be slow. slow. That's it. They, we see reporters on the other side of the courtroom. They storm out, and uh, what is it? Ray says, we're the best, we're the beautiful, the only Gus Busters. And we hear Ray, we're back. Uh, and then we have uh, a montage of them doing their Ghostbustering thing. We see Dana with Oscar watching a Ghostbuster commercial of uh, Louis Tully and Annie Potts' character, um, Janine, um, just being like a couple in bed, afraid of a ghost. And we see the Ghostbusters. We hear uh, uh, Janine say, who are you going to call? And then we see the Ghostbusters on the other side of the room. Ghostbusters, as the number appears on the screen and everything. Uh, and they're just doing all regular ghostbusting things. We see them in different uh, jumpsuits, like darker, grayer jumpsuits. As uh, we see them in like some sort of like uh, jewelry store or some sort of like crystal figurine shop, because we just see like crystal diamond figurines like floating yeah. in the air, and we see like this prism thing uh, all around them, and then we see like laser beams connecting all around it. And it stops the figurines from floating, and they all drop to the ground and shatter and everything. We see the Ghostbusters in shades and everything. Um, we also see them dealing with more slime out in the world. We see slime, like, coming down steps. We see Egon and uh, Ray just, like, scooping up some of the slime to get tested and everything. Uh, we see Ray and Venkman uh, waiting for a jogger ghost to run by them. Uh, it does right at the... They bury a trap. Yeah, into the ground, in the into ground. the... the a path the trail or whatever the fuck everyone's reacting to a random ghost running by them um uh, we see slimer at and so we should also mention that uh in between the two movies we had the real ghostbusters cartoon show happen as well yep and in that cartoon slimer was like part of the team 
right. which is constantly with the Ghostbusters. So we get that in this movie a little bit. So Slimer's in the uh, firehouse, and Lewis is like, Janine, lunch, and we see Slimer eating Lewis's lunch just in the guard off, or not the guard office, but in the firehouse. Right. And it's supposed to be reminiscent of that, of them, Slimer being part of the team. Um, we then cut to the montage is now over, and we cut to um, Ray and Egon showing Venkman and uh, Winston some of the tests that they've been doing on the slime, slime and how it only reacts to negative energy and that they may have an idea of how to turn that negative energy into positive energy to try to combat some of the slime. And this is where we get Venkman talking to the slime. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So we get, they mentioned some of the tests about what they do, about uh, trying to turn it into good slime, the, like good vibes and everything. Uh, they nurture it, talk to it. Um, play with it, just do all the things you would with trying to be nice to it. And then Venkman's like, you're not sleeping with it, are you, Ray? And now here's where I don't understand. Are they using it to jerk off? Or are they just laying next to it, cuddling it? I would say probably cuddling it. I want to say they were jerking off with it. Of course you do. <laughs> just using the slime as lubrication of some sort. Um, because the only reason I think that is because... Ray and Egon both are like uh, a bit reluctant to say anything, and Venkman's like, "You dog, you dog." Uh, so I'm assuming he's using either a just American pieing, like sticking her dick in it, <laughs> or jerking off with it. Uh, but uh, to move the uh, subject to another topic. Um, Ray's like, oh, we want to show you something. It really likes music. And, uh, yeah, so he's like, the slime loves music. And Venkman's like, all right, what type of music? Mainly jazz and blues. And then, but he really loves, uh, Jackie Wilson. We see them put on a record from Jackie Wilson, wheel it over to, uh, where the, uh, cause they bring out a toaster. They pour some of the slime into the toaster and they just place it right next to the, or they pu- place it on a pool table that's right next to the um, stereo that's playing the Jackie Wilson song. And then the song starts taking off. And then Venkman's like, oh, I get it. He sounds just like Jackie Wilson. And then right when he finishes that, we see the toaster just pop up on one side and then does it again and then again, then all Boom. over the place. And right away Venkman's very much impressed with the idea of this dancing toaster and he's like oh we'll make millions off of this idea what are we going to do what are we going to call it and uh Winston's like yeah and the first time anybody has a bad uh vibe around this thing it'll bite their fingers off um and at this point Venkman is hugging it and just like oh I love you my sweetie mo and he puts his two fingers in and then immediately is like ah ah and everybody starts freaking out and he's like oh I got you with the two fingers being eaten off by the toaster stick um <laughs> oh that old gag <laughs> right uh we then cut to Dana giving Oscar yeah, a bath yeah I think it's just Dana giving Oscar a bath um, and she's just doing what you normally would with a newborn, just holding on to the newborn, uh, taking off his diaper, clothes, shit like that, uh, running the water, trying to get it regulated. We see her put in like this little sponge thing that, for him to lay on as she gives him a bath. Um, but she turns her back away from the uh, tub. And like you do whenever st- you put a newborn in it with right. the water running. Well, the newborn's not in it just yet. 
she turns her back away from the tub to get him ready for the bath. Um, because at one point, the water starts oozing out pink slime. Yeah, it turns into slime. Why you wouldn't hear that is beyond me. To where you just automatically... Because we hear the water running, and then the water stops, and just slime comes out. I mean, it's a pretty common horror movie trope right like with water turning into blood yeah or, or something that something isn't water else. yeah um but yeah we see all this pink slime starting to come out and dana's ignoring it completely she's just you know uh blowing raspberries on uh, uh, oscar's uh stomach just you know making him giggle and shit she turns around and now there's an entire like tidal wave of slime in her tub and it's trying to reach for her and oscar she screams out the baby starts crying she fucking books it out of there cut to somebody's pounding on peter's door for his apartment it's obviously dana she's like uh, yelling peter's name we hear the baby crying we see peter had just gotten to his apartment and just passed out on his couch because he still has everything on him his coat his scarf his shoes everything's still on him so he's like who is this son of a bitch and he walks up to the door recognizes that it's dana yelling for him quickly opens the door uh, ushers them into the uh, apartment. He's like, what? What happened? And Dana gives them a brief overview that there was so much slime in their tub that she was giving Oscar, was about to give Oscar a bath and then all the slime started coming out, started reaching for them and uh, Venkman is like, all right, it's fine. You're fine here. Uh, he calls Ray. Ray is doing some sort of like uh, brainwave uh, study with the slime because he's now on the phone with Venkman and he's like, oh, that's great. Well, of course not, but for scientific reasons, that's great. Um, Vinkman is talking to Ray about, obviously, about what happened with Dana and everything. Uh, he hangs up the phone. Um, this is where we get that touching scene where Dana's like, this doesn't change anything. Like, none of your cheap, cheesy pickup no, lines. No, that's over. later, whenever he oh, asks Dana for out to dinner, right before they go see the mayor officially. Oh, yeah, that's her. right. Um, but yeah, so he, he's showing Oscar and Dana, his apartment and, uh, Venkman's like, all right, Oscar, I got this, who got this from a man, uh, by the name of Joe Namath or whatever the fuck. Uh, it's a Jersey, it's a jet, New York Jets Jersey of some sort, uh, puts it around obviously because Dana just left her apartment. They've got nothing but the clothes they originally had on and Dana's coat and Oscar's got nothing on him. So they put this. Uh, they wrap this T-shirt around uh, Oscar as a makeshift diaper. So what gets them to go to the museum? So I think we missed a small scene of Venkman surprising Dana at her place of work. And he sees Vigo. He's first introduced to Janos uh, during that whole instance. And then she makes a claim to Peter that she feels like the painting's always watching her. And it just makes her uneasy. And then Peter is like, maybe there's a thing between Vigo, the the painting here, and this river of slime that Ray saw. Because I think, if I remember correctly, after Ray gets off the phone with Vinkman after Dana comes to Vinkman's apartment, uh, this is where we start hearing some about uh, Vigo the Carpathian. Egon shows some of the stuff to Ray. We don't hear it just yet, but he shows Ray some of the stuff that he found about Vigo because immediately after this scene we then go to the museum and the entire team is now investigating the Vigo painting 
So I think we just missed a little scene where Ray decides to put two and two together and go from there. Yeah, maybe. Um, so right before the we move on to the museum scene, we have uh, Venkman jumping into his bed, and he's like, look, I can lay here on my left side where you spoon me, or I can roll over and I can spoon you, but with that, I'll end up choking on your hair and dying. Um, the, thus indicating he wants her to spoon her, or wants her to spoon him. Um, Dan is like, how about this? You sleep on the couch, and Oscar and I will sleep in your bed. And uh, Venkman's like, all right, we can do that. Uh, he looks, a hard bargain, but deal. Yes. He looks at Oscar. He's like, you're short, you're fat, and you're a terrible burden on your poor mother. And he does the finger thing that you saw from the trailer. If you actually watch the trailer. But in the trailer, we just see him pointing at Oscar's eyes, trying to get him to follow his finger and everything. Um, we then cut to them in the uh, Ecto-1. It's barreling down the streets. Uh, they end up parking in front of the Manhattan Museum of Art, because that's where Dana works. And Vinkman is being told who Vigo is. And, okay, so Vigo was born uh, in 1505, died 1610, lived about 105 years old. Before he died, or he was, whenever he was murdered, he was murdered excessively. He was poisoned, stabbed, shot, hung, uh, stretched, disembodied, drawn, and quartered. And then... He was given the old Rasputin. Yeah, pretty much. And then Vigo was... He go by. He went by several names. Vigo the Cruel, Vigo the Torturer, Vigo the Despised, and Vigo the Unholy. And then he said, uh, right before Vigo's head... That Ray is telling him all this information. Ray says, right before Vigo's head passed away. And they're all gearing up and suiting up and everything. And we see... Vinkman's only got a camera with him with just his normal like civilian clothes while everyone's out uh, everyone else Winston Ray and Egon are all dressed to the nines with the proton packs and everything yep. on them Ray finishes uh, this whole information dump about Vigo he's like and before Vigo's had completely died he the he made a prophecy uh, about death is but a win- uh, death is but a door time is a window I'll be back and then right when they say, oh, I'll be back, we then have the Ghostbusters stepping into the museum, looking all heroic. And then Venkman's like, all right, boys, let's suck in the guts a little bit. And then we see them all. We're like, Ghostbusters. Yeah, we're Ghostbusters. Uh, and then right away, Janos is like, no, 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 not today. No, go away. And then uh, what is he, he says, uh, sick him, Ray. Uh, and then Ray starts uh, just basically getting Janos out of the way. And they're all, we see Egon and Winston just trying to get readings all over the place, just trying to get some idea of what's going on with this painting. Maybe it has some sort of connection with the slime, but they're not entirely sure. Um, we then have Vinkman walking up to the painting and just starts, he's like, oh, Vigo, Vigo, my boy, and just starts snapping pictures left and right. And we hear Venkman's like, yeah, give me it, give me it, yeah, 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 as he's snapping pictures left and right, like it's an actual person in front of him. We see Ray also get like uh, has like this like silver device in his hand that's just spinning around every so often, and he walks up the steps where uh, Janos was whenever he first got possessed by Vigo. Yeah, and he starts just scanning the painting, and then all of a sudden something locks in on Ray because he just blank stare at the painting. Like something has got a hold of Ray, 
And as uh, v, or as uh, Ray is like yelling at the painting, like, yeah, yeah, give me, give me, give me it. Egon walks up behind him. He's like, Venkman, come here. I need to tell you something. And right before uh, he walks away from Vigo, he's like, I've had better or more professional models or something along those lines where he's just basically uh, chastising yeah. <laughs> this painting for not giving him uh, the poses he wanted. Poses he wanted, yeah. Um, he then walks away. And then as uh, he walks away, Winston's like, all right, Ray, let's go. And then Ray doesn't do anything. He just stands there. And he's still locked in on the painting. Winston taps him a few times on the arm. He's like, Ray, Ray, are you here? And then Ray gets uh, out of the trance from Vigo. And he's like, yeah, I'm here. I'm fine. And then Winston's like, are you, are you okay? Are you sick or anything? And then Ray's like, no, I'm fine. Taps his chest. And then they walk away. Uh, we then cut to uh, Venkman approaching it, or walking into his apartment. He's got a suitcase and some flowers with him. He's like, hello. And then he looks around his place. And the entire place has been cleaned up. And he's like, oh, shit. She cleaned, and then out walks Dana in a towel, wet hair, and she just says, shh, he's sleeping, um, indicating that Oscar's taking a nap. And then Dana's like, all right, so what did you find? And then uh, Venkman's like, look, they found a little bit of slime in your apartment. Um, and then he gives her a broad overview of who Vigo the Carpathian yep. was. We then cut to, do we cut to, no, no, no. Uh, so they walk into the bedroom where Oscar is to check on the kid and the kid's now up and alert and everything. So he, we have a uh, Venkman asking Dana about going on a date with him. I think this is where we get the date yeah. scene. And Dana's like, I, I don't know. And Venkman's like, look, this is what you need. You've had a very trying few days. Just go out on a date or just go out to dinner with me. It's not even a date. Just go out to dinner with me. And, uh, Dana's like, all right, all right. But I don't want any of those old cheap moves. Uh, being thrown at me and Venkman's like no 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 I've got How all how dare new... you I've got all new cheap moves yep and and then Dana's like oh who's gonna watch the kid and Venkman's like well I've got Janine Mel uh, Melnitz she's great with kids she'll watch them I've already checked with her we we cut to Ray and uh, Egon are now developing the images that Venkman took of the painting and them at the museum and everything and uh they say, oh, I'm going to feed this one through the spectrograph, I guess, is going to get a more detailed image for them. Because mm. uh, they have a few of the actual painting of Vigo, but nothing is odd about them. They send this one image through the spectrograph, it comes out the other end, and they hoist it up. And it's it, they're in a dark room. We have the red light, the acetone in the trays and everything as they're trying to develop images. They pull that image out of the spectrograph and... Uh, hoist it up on the line with a clip and right away Egon's like what the fuck is that and uh, it's just Vigo's floating head above a river of slime and Ray's like you remember how you had me dangling below like 59th street or whatever the fuck the actual street na- number or name was and Egon's like yeah of course and he's like remember that river of slime I was telling you that's it that's it and right when that happens, they're putting. They're, obviously, they now have confirmation that the slime and Vigo are connected. Are connected. And right when they have that confirmation, everything <laughs> lights on fire. Uh, we see the door lock as that happens, uh, and immediately Egon and Ray are like, "We need to get the fuck out of here." Um, acetone is very flammable. I don't know how this place just didn't erupt into a ball of fire, but whatever. 
movie reasons. Story reasons, yeah. Um, so they try to get out. The door's locked. And they're like, hey, who locked his door? They start slamming on it. They're like yelling for Winston and stuff. And they get to the other, they run to the other side of the dark room. And they're like, we need to get out of here. And then all of a sudden, boom, 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 the door gets uh, smashed in. And it's Winston with a fire extinguisher. He pulls the pin and just starts unloading the fire extinguisher on all the fires. We then cut to, and it's later in the day, and uh, we see uh, Venkman come out of his apartment. And right when he does, he sees the Ecto-1 pull up right beside him on the, uh, off the side of the road next to his apartment building. Um, and all three of them get out, Ray, uh, Egon, and Winston. And they're all trying to convince him, like, look, we need to go back to where that river slime was and figure out what's going on with that. We need to go investigate more. And uh, we're all in these, and they are in, like, um, like uh, rain suits of some sort, almost like fishery, fishing gear, yeah. wet suits. And uh, they're like, yeah, we're going to go back down underground to find this river slime, see if we can't do anything about it. And right away, Ray's like, I'm about to take Dana out to dinner. I'm sorry, but it's probably not going to happen. Then Dana comes out, and she sees the three guys. She's like, hi, guys, what are you doing? And then Venkman turns around and he's like, Dana, um, they believe that the Vigo and the River Slime we were talking about are connected, and they want to go investigate more. So what do you say? We just blow off this dinner and go with the guys down into a sewer with nothing but cockroaches and rats. And immediately Dana doesn't say anything. She just wa- holds up her hand, waves taxi, and Venkman, and she walks a bit further ahead of everybody. Uh, Venkman turns around, he's like, women, and then walks right behind her, um, indicating he's not going with them at right. all. We then cut to, so Louis, Tully, and um, Janine. Janine are watching Oscar, and uh, Louis is just telling Oscar... About the seven dwarves, only it's his version of the seven dwarves about how they do their taxes and rent control and just all that. Just stuff that isn't in the actual story. Just him being Louis Tully about it. Him being Rick Moranis uh, about it. And Janine's watching him and uh, he puts uh, Oscar down to sleep and Janine's like, you're really good with kids. And uh, Louis is like, thanks, I had a lot of practice with my hamster. He sits down, she sits down right across from him, and she right away has a thing for Lewis. Because she has some sort of like glass ball, and she has her legs open as she's like cradling this ball between her leg. I don't know what sexual references this is for, but clearly it's working on Lewis because he sees her holding this glass ball as she's sliding it in her hands and stuff. And he's, he's getting hot and bothered, she's getting hot and bothered. Um, she says, you can come sit b- beside me. Lewis is like, alright. And... Uh, she says, uh, I think motherhood is just truly great. And Lewis is like, yeah, I agree. Uh, and then she's like, I would like to be a mother. And Lewis is like, right here, right now? What about the kid? And Lewis is like, or uh, Janine's like, we'll be quiet or some shit like that. Uh, they start making out. We then cut to um, uh, so Ray, Egon, and Winston are now in some sort of abandoned rail line. As they are chit-chatting about, they they have no idea where the entrance for the slime is. Um, they're just investigating, and that they need to figure out how to get to the slime, how to stop the slime, and they're just trying to figure it out. I think at one point they hear an old, they hear a rail line being used. Oh wait, no, no, no. So the the rail line isn't just yet. So they're walking and they hear an echo. So Winston says echo, and you hear echo, echo, echo. Right. 
Um, and then he says, hey. And then, hey, hey, hey. And then he says, Winston, I believe? Maybe. He, I believe he says his name, but then nothing comes back. But all we hear after, uh, like, three-second hold on it, we just hear, Winston. And all three of them are like, nope, I'm out. Nope. They, uh, they're like, well, you should probably go get our proton packs before we go any further. They agree. Then as they turn around, they then turn around immediately and there's a sever head on some sort of spike. They turn back around. There's more of them right behind them. They turn to the left. There's more uh, severed heads on spikes. They, all around them, severed heads on spikes. They're all discombobulated and turned around as they're all freaking out. And then they turn around one final time and all of it is gone. Um, they don't know where any of it went. Uh, they're like, yeah, we need to get those proton packs now. Um, but then they hear a rail line and Winston's like, are we sure that this is de- this line is decommissioned that we're on? And Ray's like, yeah, it's been decommissioned since the 1920s. There's nothing to worry about. Has been for a long time. They it's hear fine. they hear the squealing of the actual rail line again, and they all hear it this time. It's not just Winston hearing it. They all hear it. And they're like, well, it must be a, a subway line above us. And Winston looks up, then looks straight ahead. And he's like, I don't know. I don't think that's right above us. And then they see some sort of light barreling towards them and it's just booking hauling ass we see ray and egon split the other side but winston is petrified and cannot move and then we just see this rail line this ghost rail line just pass right through him as he screams and hollers it's not very it's not a long rail line it's just a long enough to basically freak him the fuck out um and then uh, egon's like that must be the old new york central city of albany it derailed in 1920, killing hundreds. And uh, Egon's like, did you get the train car number? And, and Winston, in shock still, he's like, sorry. No. No, I didn't. <laughs> I missed it. I was too busy getting hit by a goddamn ghost train. <laughs> right. And then Egon's like, we must be getting really close if uh, they, whatever this slime is is throwing all this at us. And then Winston immediately is like, oh, shit. Where's Ray? Egon looks around with uh, Winston, and they both start yelling, Ray, Ray, Ray. And then Ray comes barreling out of a nearby passage. He's like, hey, guys. And they are freaked out. They jump and everything. He's like, oh, I'm sorry, but I found it. It's over here. He ushers them into the uh, decommissioned pneumatic train line, and there it is, just the river of slime. River of slime. Just all around them in this train line, just pink, purple, clear, just a mess of shit. And they tell uh, Winston, all right, throw on the line. because It's groovy lava. Yeah, so pretty much. Um, they tell Winston to throw on the line. And they're trying to see how deep the slime goes. And he throws in the line. And he's like, all right, two feet, three feet, 10, 12. And immediately, right by the time he gets to 10, they're like, something's pulling it. What the fuck? And then we just see the line that is hold, the the reel that is holding all that line to measure how deep it is just starts being pulled. All the line is getting pulled out of this reel. And then Winston's just trying to get it off of him at this point before it completely clips to the end and pulls him into the slime completely. But right. they don't they don't have any success. He gets yanked into the slime and he gets sent down the river of slime. We see Winston yelling for both Ray and Egon. And they're both like, ah, fuck it. And they both jump in willingly after uh, Winston. We then cut to Venkman and uh, Dana are on their date. 
and they're just chit-chatting, having a no- nice, normal date. Uh, and uh, Venkman's just being his charming self. He's like, I know I messed up the last time, but I'm I'm sure I can, if we just give it one more chance, I'm sure I can be a decent guy. And he's like, I know I screwed up, and I'm, I'm trying here, but I, I'm sure if we give it another go, I can really stick it out this time. They make some comparison about, in like 20 years, why don't you give me a jingle? Because Vinkman isn't quite sure if he would be suitable for Dano. So he's like, no, no, no. You know what? Just in about 20 not, years. Not yet. Not but in about yet. 20 years, I should be able to uh, figure shit out. So in about 20 years, just give me a jingle. And then Dana's like, why don't I just give you a jingle now? Um, they lock eyes. They kiss for a second or two. And then we cut to Ray, uh, Egon, and Winston all coming up a sewer line right in front of the Manhattan Museum of Art. Yep. And they're covered in slime. Uh, I think it's Winston, then Ray, then Egon. Because uh, Ray and Winston are arguing back and forth for a good while. They're about to fucking just come to blows. Right. Um, They're both very pissed at each other. Uh, Winston's like, you tried to drown me. Ray's like, I wasn't trying. I was trying to help you. And they're nearly at like... About to pummel fuck each other. Fuck you. No, fuck you. Uh, Egon comes up the sewer grate and he's like, immediately he recognizes, like, clearly what they're saying to each other is not normal. They're very irate for no reason whatsoever. It must be the slime. They're covered in it from head to toe. And Egon's like, take off your clothes. It's got to be the slime. It's making you uh, full of negative energy. They all start taking off the slime or taking off the outfits. They're now in just long johns yep. uh, with just rubber boots on. And immediately, Winston's like, oh, what just happened? I was ready to kill you. And Ray's like, it must be the slime. It must feed into our negative uh, it feelings. It feeds on our negative feelings, and it also enhances them and makes us feel them. Yes. So. And, and then Egon's like, it's all flowing directly towards here. They all three turn around, and it's the museum that they were at earlier in the day. The Manhattan Museum of Art. We then cut to uh, Dana and Venkman enjoying their night, and Ray, Winston, and um, Egon are all now barreling out of a cab and heading towards the uh, fancy restaurant that they're at. Yeah, the restaurant that they're at. The maitre d' sees them, and they're still partially covered in slime. They're in long johns. They just look a mess. And the maitre d' is trying to get them to stop. They just barrel right past them. The maitre d' just goes against cops. Um, they see Venkman and they're like, Venkman, Venkman, we need to get the fuck over to the museum because whatever's going on with the slime, it all leads to the museum. It's straight shot. We jumped into the slime. We were covered and look, we're still covered in part of it. We need to fucking figure something out because whatever's going on with the slime is directly connected to Vigo. And Venkman's like, you mean Dana's museum? And he's, we see Ray whip his arm around and all this slime comes off of him. It yep. hits nearby patrons of this restaurant. They all start freaking out. Ray's like, oh, sorry. Um, and then Venkman's like, yeah, that's kind of what I figured. He looks to Dana and is like, I was going to tell you over dessert, but you can never work there again. Um, we then see all these cops uh, grab everybody, uh, everyone but Venkman. Venkman goes on his own accord. Everyone else, the Ray, Winston, and Egon are all being ushered out by cops. It's just mad chaos at this point as they are being ushered out Venkman's like you go back to my apartment I'm gonna go with these guys we then cut to them being ushered into the 
mayor's office. Yep. We see, for whatever reason, Bobby Brown makes a uh, cameo in this movie. A very Bobby young, Brown. a very young Bobby Brown. He's like, "Hey, the Ghostbusters, can I get one of those proton packs?" And then Egon right away is like, cuts him off. He's like, "They're not really toys." And then Ray's like, "And eh, what he said." They walk into the uh, mayor's. Or maybe it's the governor's office, and they and the governor because we it, this movie takes place over like few weeks because we see the montage and everything takes place over some time. Yeah, we see the name of the mansion. I think that the name of the mansion that we see is actually the governor's mansion for New York. It's an actual governor's mansion, whatever the name is. I can't remember exactly, but whatever. They go to where the mayor is. Right. And um, they're now in the main uh, room that the mayor's going to greet them in. And they're all just chit-chatting back and forth with, uh, what's his name? Yeah, Jack uh, Hadamire. And they're just chit-chatting about what they need to do next. They need to get the mayor in here, tell him, so we can go from there. Mayor comes in, and he's like, I don't care what the fuck you got to say. And then he's like, you got two minutes. He, he immediately is like, I don't give a shit, but you've got two minutes. And I was like, oh. Do you, do you care or don't you care? Um, and then they go to explain uh, just the idea of the slime, that it's uh, because of uh, where we are in New York and people just being angry all the time, being in New York. It's the now manifested. Negative, the manifested negative emotions it. of New Yorkers is feeding the slime. Yes, there is this, uh, here's what they call it, uh, psychomagnetic uh, slime. Uh, under the streets of New York, and it's now manifested. It all the negative energy from New Yorkers is now manifested into this slime, and something needs to be done about it um, because uh, something of biblical proportions is going to happen again. And right away, uh, the mayor is like, "You want me to go on national television and tell everybody to be nice?" And they're all like, "Yeah, pretty yeah, much. pretty much. Yeah, let's do that." And um, the mayor's like, get the fuck out of here. Uh, being angry and upset is every New Yorker's God-given right. I'm like, no. No. That should not be a virtue we all fucking uh, aspire to. Um, the mayor's no, like, probably not. The mayor's like, you've had your two minutes. I'm out of here. And right away, all four of them are like, You're, he won't listen to us? Fine. Then we need to go to the papers. We need to fucking tell everybody. We need everyone to know what's going to, what's going on with this slime and this Vigo the Carpathian uh, painting. We need people to know. And Jack uh, Hadamire is like, all right, oh, 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 before you go to the papers, would you be willing to talk to a few of our people downtown? And all Venkman's like, people have to know. We then cut to all of them in straight jackets. We see Ray, Egon, Winston just struggling, uh, trying to get out of the straight jackets. Uh, Peter understands what's going on. No one's ever going to listen to him, so he's not really struggling. He's just going right, he's along just with it. Like, yeah. um, we then cut to Dana going back into Venkman's apartment, and she, as she enters the apartment, she doesn't see anybody, but then immediately... Lewis pops up and his pants are undone and he's got makeup smeared all over his face. He's like, oh, Dana, I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. And we see uh, Janine's top is partially undone. And uh, Dana's like, ah, no, it's perfectly fine. I know what you guys are doing, but as long as Oscar's asleep and uh, safe, you guys are fine. And then Dana goes into the bedroom where Oscar is. And then uh, or before she does, 
Lewis asks, where's Peter? Or Janine does, one of the two. And uh, Dana's like, oh, he got arrested. And then Janine's like, uh, typical. Uh, Dana goes into the bedroom to check on Oscar. And then comes back, or uh, as she does, we see uh, Lewis and Janine looking at one another. And Janine's like, we can't leave her now. And Lewis is like, so we'll just stay here? And Janine's like, yeah, I think we should. I think it would be best. And then we just see Lewis just dive back onto her, presumably, to make out some more. Um, we then cut to Dana in the bedroom. She's looking over Oscar, and he's just passed the fuck out. Um, we then cut to uh, some sort of uh, institution for mentally disturbed or- people. And they're all having a conversation to this doctor. And the doctor's like, all right, so why don't you tell me what happened? And then we have Ray explaining about this uh, river of slime, about Vigo the Carpathian. Egon's also chiming in from time to time. And that then Winston's like, yeah, it feeds off your bad vibes. And if we would all just be nicer, this wouldn't be a thing. And then uh, the doctor looks at uh, Venkman. And Venkman looks at everybody. Then back to the doctor. He's like, don't look at me. I think these people are crazy. Back at Peter's apartment. We see that Oscar is now awake. He's not making any noise, but we see that Oscar is now awake. Uh, Janine and Lewis, I believe, are watching Citizen Kane. Yeah, I think so. I believe so. Uh, And they're just chit-chatting and munching on popcorn. And Dana's like, you know, you don't have to be here anymore. And Lewis is like, no, that's fine. We're perfectly fine here, staying here with you. We just see Dana just, all right, whatever. Uh, and as they continue to watch the movie, Dana feels a breeze on the back of her neck. Uh, we then cut to uh, where the bedroom where Oscar's at and the window's starting to be raised up. Yep, lifted up. Uh, oh, there's a small scene before we get to this this whole sequence of events of Vigo telling uh, Janos to go get the child. Now is the time for the child and I, was I say, to become I one. Was, I thought there was... Several other, like, Giannis and Vigo scenes. Yeah, that was one of them. Because uh, he's like, oh, I almost had the baby, but then I didn't. He's like, you fucking idiot. <laughs> Go get him. Was that one of them? I thought, I didn't think he tried to get the baby just yet. Until this sequence that's now coming up. The uh, The first one was whenever he went to her apartment. Oh, yeah, I guess it would have been, yeah. Um, but anyway, yeah, uh, so this window's being raised up. We then cut to Dana feeling the breeze. She comes back into the bedroom, and Oscar is gone. There's no Oscar. There's no remnants of Oscar. He's nowhere to be found in the room. But she sees the window open. She pops her head out, and there's Oscar at the edge of the corner of the building, just standing there waiting. We then see off into the distance some flying creature coming their way. Dana gets onto the ledge, yells for Lewis. Lewis pops his head out. He's like, call nine. Dana says, call 911. Uh, Oscar's out on the, on this ledge. Uh, Dana starts slowly creeping up to Oscar, but ever so slowly. And then right whenever uh, she's about uh, six inches away from Oscar, we see this figure come into view. And it's Janos, dressed up as some sort of like Mary Poppins-esque character on a bike. Yep. It smiles at Oscar, eyes uh, glow bright red and then its arm just stretches at an uh, abnormal length grabs oscar puts him into the basket on the bike 
and then just flies off. We hear Dana scream, no. She then goes back into the apartment. Lewis is like, what happened? What happened? She's like, it's Janos. He took my fucking baby. We need to get the fuck out of here. I need to go to the museum. And she barrels out of there. And then uh, Janine comes in. He's like, what are we going to do? And Lewis is like, we need to find the guys. We then cut to, I think it's just um, mo- another montage of all these spirits starting to come up uh, right. from the slime and everything. We see like this floating beast of some uh, some sort like come barreling out after a bunch of people out of, out of a theater. Because we see all these people like screaming and shouting and throwing things out of this theater yeah. as a ghost comes barreling out. Uh, we see a few other ghosts as well. So basically just mass panic is happening. Something similar that we saw in the first Ghostbusters movie where just chaos is reigning. Uh, We then cut to the mayor's office and he's got just a team of people just trying to figure out how to sort things out. And the mayor's like, all right, and you know what? Enough of this shit. Get me the Ghostbusters. And right away, Jack's like, no, no. Jack uh, Hattemeyer. He's like, no, no, the guy that put him in the institution. It's fine. We We can figure this out. We don't need them right now. And the mayor's like, no. Get me the Ghostbusters. And then Jack's like, well, it's not going to be that easy. See, um, after... I had them committed. Uh, and the mayor's like, you what? He's like, well, they were threatening your gubernatorial race. I had to do something. And it's like, did I tell you to fucking do that? And Jack's like, no. But, but... And then the mayor's like, you know what? Fuck it. You have two minutes to get the fuck out of here. And then he just throws him out of the conference room. You're fired. Yep. Uh, the mayor slams the door shut, points to someone else in the room says, get me the Ghostbusters. Boom, cut to them now being released from the insane asylum. They're suiting up. Lewis is telling them what, everything that happened about uh, Janos taking the baby, about Dana going to go get the baby from Janos, from the uh, museum, because that's where they believe they took he took the baby and everything. And then uh, Ray finishes off, and he's like, that all makes sense. Vigo, in order for him to live longer... He's going to get corporeal inside Oscar. <laughs> yes. And he needs to uh, be in that child's body before the stroke of midnight for story reasons. I don't think they uh, specifically say why it has to be before midnight. Um, anyway, we then cut to them barreling through the streets uh, on the or in the uh, Ecto-1. They come up to the museum. There's just crowds all around them at this point. They put on their... Uh, they put on the proton packs and we should also mention like during all this sequence of events we see all like whenever just all these monsters start coming up from underneath the ground and everything all these ghosts come rolling out of movie theaters we see all this slime starting to encase the manhattan museum just like a hard outer shell around the manhattan museum the boys walk up to the uh like like the outer edge of the museum they turn on the proton packs and they're like light them up and they all turn them on and they're just hammering on this outer shell, and it's not making a dent at all. It's not doing all. anything. They shut them off, and they're like, what the fuck are we going to do? Like, the, we have this good slime that we've been figuring out. Or I think we may have something there, but I don't know how we're going to institute it. Like, the, we don't have a machine big enough to do this, this entire fucking building. And then as it clicks into somebody, he's like, we need a symbol. We need... A symbol that everyone in New York can get behind. Yes. To give, like, good... Good vibes to the yes. whole city. Uh, and they say a few other things about a symbol that is resilient uh, or some shit like that. And then we see that they're all looking at an image of the Statue of Liberty on their license plate for the Ecto-1. And thus indicating they're going to use the Statue Cut of Liberty. Two. 
them on uh, Ellis Island uh, spraying the absolute fuck out of the inside of the statue. Yeah, of they have different type of. Pro- so we got Winston and Ray have different type of packs on them. It's some sort of like slime thrower. Yeah, uh, like these big fucking tanks on their back. It's almost like a. It almost looks like uh, blown in insulation. <laughs> Very similar to that. Um, Whenever they're shooting it out. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so yeah, they're just coating the inside of the the uh, Statue of Liberty, and they're p- setting up this entire sound system as well, along with some yeah. sort of like. This is where it gets a bit ridiculous because they have like a an old Nintendo fucking Super Nintendo control stick with the buttons and everything, and they're like, "This is how we're gonna control this big ass thing." Whatever. Um, but yeah, they have this entire sound system. They start, I think, playing Jackie Wilson again. We see all this electricity, bioelectricity starting to arc across all this slime. And then the Statue of Liberty takes its first step. And then boom, boom, boom. We see it in the uh, actual Hudson where it's just like the head and the arm that's constantly pointing up is above the water. Everything else is below sea level. It's now in the streets of New York. It's just boom, 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 boom making its way to the Manhattan Museum. We then cut to inside the museum itself. And we see uh, Dana is... I think she's behind some sort of barricade as uh, Vigo's face is being shown onto Oscar's head. Like like he's being possessed by Vigo. And uh, Oscar's on some sort of like altar in front of the Vigo painting. With candles everywhere. Yeah, and Janos is trying to convince Dana. is like, this is all for the best. And whenever he, Vigo is now inside of Oscar, you and I can raise this child as father and mother. And wouldn't that be nice? And Dana at first is like, no, this would not be fucking nice. Give me my goddamn child. But then after a few minutes, she's, she gets it. That if she plays along, she'll be able to be let out and see her try to grab right. Oscar in some way. She convinces uh, uh, Janos to let her out. Uh, he opens the gate that she's now blockaded in, and uh, they walk up. They're watching this uh, possession take place. We see Dana trying to go and grab Oscar, but then Janos stops her completely. He's like, no, no, just watch. Like, yeah, this is something we need to watch. We need this entity to possess this small child. Um, so he can get corporeal. <laughs> yeah, right. Uh, we then cut to outside the Manhattan Museum, and they are now right next to the Manhattan Museum, and they're all like, yeah, let's do it. We see the, because of the good vibes emanating from the Statue of Liberty, we see some of the slime starting to recede from the top of the museum itself. It looks like it's getting thinner. Yes. Uh, we cut to inside, and I think they see like a shadow come above them, and they both uh, Janos oh, what's that? and Dana look up, and it's oh, it's the the torch, torch for the statue through the of, fucking roof of the museum. Yeah, uh, it crashes. Dana immediately runs up to where Oscar is, grabs him, gets him the fuck out of the way as uh, all this glass comes barreling down. We see all these ropes coming down, and all four Ghostbusters descend into the museum, um, right. Where uh, right about the same area where Oscar was on the altar and everything, and they land on the on the floor, and Janos immediately is like, "What are you doing here? Do you not understand who you are in front of? The mighty Vigo, the, the uh, torturer, or some shit like that." And they all turn around and look, and there's no Vigo. The painting is empty. It's just yep. the uh, landscape and the pillar that he was standing next to. No Vigo whatsoever. 
And immediately, Venkman's like, oh. Don't they, don't they fucking hose yeah, Yano's Yeah, that's too? what I was getting to right now. It's like, immediately, Venkman's like, you know what? Whatever. Just hose him. And we see Ray just drench him in this fucking goo. In the good, the positive goo. Yeah, the good vibe goo. And immediately, Gain is like. <laughs> that's the name for a lube if I've ever heard it. Good vibe goo. <laughs> yeah. Um, but Dana immediately was like, is he dead? And Ray's like, no, 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 no. No. He's just covered in some <laughs> good vibe goo. And whenever he wakes up, he'll be feeling like TM. a million bucks. <laughs> TM, yes. They're all basically just meandering around. We see uh, Venkman uh, looking over Oscar and Dana, just asking how they're doing. And nothing's really happening for a few seconds. Uh, and then all of a sudden... I think uh, Vigo appears in front of them in like this aberration. Yeah. Because we see this tubing snake up around Dana as Venkman has Oscar in his hands, thus keeping Dana in, like, contained, like, uh, restrained. Yeah. That's trapped. the word. It's trapped. Uh, fucking blanking on the word either trapped or fucking restrained. Whatever. Peter sees this. She yells, Peter, get him out of here. Uh, he goes over to like some nearby like crates and uh, grabs a blanket, puts it on the ground. He just tells Oscar, you stay right here. I'm going to have to go help your mom, but you stay right here. So I believe it's Ray says something. It's like, hey, Vigo the Carpathian, you stop right there or some shit like that. And he's like, you got 10 seconds or five seconds to get back in that painting and go back to hell where you came from. And Ray says one, uh, then two. Then we see Venkman pop up from where he was, says three. We see Egon uh, turn on his proton pack, say four. And then uh, Winston says five. And then we, uh, Ray says, now. And they all start unloading on Vigo, only he disappears completely. Oh, no. Uh, as they're about to do it, as they're about to unload their packs, then all of a sudden, this energy force comes out of uh, Vigo and hammers on all the Ghostbusters, and they all drop like a ton of bricks. Yep, they all get knocked. all writhing in pain. All of them just unable to move 100%. We then cut to, or no, we don't cut to anything. We uh, Vigo looks over them. They are now in pain. They're all just trying to figure out how to get out of this. And then we see Vigo walk over to where the crates are that where um, Oscar was being hidden behind. We see him just raise up his hands. Uh, part him up, uh, split him apart, and all the boxes move out of his way, and there's Oscar on the other side. He picks up Oscar, goes back to the main center part of the floor, and then just starts uh, chanting a few things. We hear Dana say, no, no, this can't be. And then we hear music from the outside. As uh, we see the Ghostbusters starting to move a little bit more and more as they're able to do it. And then Dana says, no, we can't let him do this. And then we hear Venkman say, hey, you. Yeah, you, bimbo with the baby. What kind of limp dick dipshit would... Well, no, he says, what kind of idiot would come to New York to try to take over the world? Why wouldn't you want to go to uh, sunny California where it's just bright and sunshine all the time? I mean, what kind of idiot are you? Um, we see uh, Vigo snarl at him, but uh, v, uh, Venkman has distracted him enough because now they are starting to hear singing outside. Uh, Auld Lang Sai is being played because now it's the new year and yep. everybody's in a good mood at this point. 
hopeful for whatever year it is. We see Vigo starting to writhe in pain. He's like, no, he feeds off of negative energies, and now everybody's happy, so it's not working anymore. Right. He's weakening. Yes. Uh, he starts thrashing about. Oscar starts crying. Uh, Dana's like, no, he's going to drop him. He's going to drop him. We see uh, Venkman starting to gain more and more control over himself. He quickly dives under Vigo as Oscar drops from his hands, catches Vigo or catches Oscar as Dana gets free of the wrappings that are around her, the restraints that are around her, grabs Oscar, and I think all the Ghostbusters get up, and then this is where they wail on him with the proton packs and the good vibe goo. Yep. And uh, they just hammer into him, and then uh, we see the essence of Vigo being thrown into the painting. Painting. And. They just continue hammering it, and I think then it zooms outside, and you see the shell break. No, no, no. Ray gets possessed. So whenever he gets thrown back into the painting, they stop completely. Oh, yeah. yeah, yeah. And then Ray, uh, they see it into the uh, painting, and then we see it morph into like a Vigo-Ray amalgamation and immediately possesses Ray, and we see because Ray's in the way, they want to hammer on him some more with their proton packs and good vibe goo. And immediately they're like, Ray, Ray, Ray. He spins around and he's like, There is no more Ray, there is just me, Vigo, the unholy. And then immediately they start wailing on the Ray Vigo amalgamation. We see just this the head of Vigo removed from Ray's body as Ray's covered in goo. He's thrown into the painting, and then this is where they just unload on uh, the, on the Vigo essence painting, and uh, we see the the Vigo head being covered in goo and proton uh, beam as well as it gets smaller and smaller in the painting, and then it just blows up completely inside the painting itself. Yep. And right when that happens, we see this hard outer shell on the outside of the museum just eviscerate from uh, on the outside. And it's everything's back to normal. We see the Statue of Liberty has completely fallen over at this point, just on the ground. And uh, then it flashes back inside, and the painting of Vigo has been replaced with the painting of the four Ghostbusters in like uh, Roman garb. Yeah, like Roman with, like, togas, like, togas uh, all, all of them around looking after Oscar. Yeah, around Oscar. Um, yeah, we see uh, Yano's getting up. He says, why am I dripping with goo? Um, Ray does the same thing. He says, ah, hey, man, I love you. No, I really love you because they're both covered in goo and everything. We then cut to, oh, there's one little thing we should also mention. For whatever reason, a B storyline in this movie, Lewis decides to get on a proton pack and jumpsuit as well. Oh, yeah, because he wants to be one of the guys. He right. He wants to be one of the Ghostbusters. So he ends up on the outside of the museum after Slimer takes him on a bus to go to the museum and everything. And he unloads a proton pack on the outer shell, and he thinks he helps in some manner. Because after he's done with the proton pack, we see the shell of the outside crack of the museum crack, and, and everything goes away. For whatever reason. I don't know why they kept that in, but they did we then, uh, as they're looking at the uh, photo, they're mentioning all these famous artists, and then we cut to actually seeing the actual image of all four Ghostbusters watching over Oscar. We then cut to credits, and it's uh, we have, I'm assuming, blooper scenes, just the goofy yeah. shit that happened on, during the production, because we just see 
uh, we have Bill Murray, Dan Aykroyd, uh, Harold Ramis, and Ernie Hudson. They're all each scene that shows their name also shows them uh, on set doing something. And then the final one is before they cut to black to the rest of the credits, we then see um, them being given the keys of the city for New York, and we see the Statue of Liberty back on Ellis Island, yep. um, where it should be. Uh, everybody's cheering on the Ghostbusters and everything, and then cuts to black. That's the movie. Done. Um, for the longest time, it was only these two movies. Yeah. Like, what was it? I think we were supposed to get a third one in 99. I think I saved it. Yeah, we were supposed to get... Uh, okay, so in 99, we were supposed to get a third Ghostbusters movie called Hellbent. And it would have taken the team to an alternate version of Manhattan called Manhelton. So the idea, it place, it's places and people. And at, Ghostbusters 3 would have featured the hell version of Manhattan, its places and people. And as hell was getting too crowded, many damned souls would have begun to roam the earth, unleashing the aforementioned poltergeist plague. Uh, of course, this journey would have included a meeting with Lucifer himself, which would have been a whole new territory for the Ghostbusters. So it would have been like this whole like Ghostbusters go to hell type uh, storyline. Um, and yeah, it wasn't until 2016, uh, the next next week's um, episode, that we get a new Ghostbusters. Um, we'll get into that when we talk about that movie. Um, I'm not a... So last week I said I can't stand it. There were, and I was watching it earlier today, and I was like, "It's not the worst thing in the world. It's not no. good." No, I've definitely seen uh, fucking worse movies, but uh, we'll talk about that when we talk about it next. Uh, so the Rotten Tomatoes score for this movie is, for whatever reason, when this movie was released, people did not like this movie. It's very kidsy in comparison to the first one. In what sense? I feel like it's just much... outside of a ghost blowing ray. That's the only difference. It's much more. I don't know. Like with the Statue of Liberty walking. And... I mean, it does get hokey, and I understand why you ding it for some reason. But this movie has a critic score of fifty three and an that audience score of sixty one. Seems low. Yeah, that's what I was like. It doesn't seem like why well, hate this movie. I mean, y yes, it does tread on the same territory as the first one, where they're trying to build up their business again. We have the whole montage scene. We have the scenes where people don't believe them, and then the uh, incident happens, like in the courtroom or uh, in the first movie with the hotel and the ballroom and everything. And so it, it does have similar scenes, and it very much is like them. So it was like. So the first movie was about them being underdogs, and they just try to repeat that underdog story right. once again. Um, and I get it. It's not very interesting, but I'm like, it doesn't deserve that much hate. It's a pretty decent film, um, being that it's the only two we ever get for quite a while besides having the uh, cartoon Animated series, series. Um, and then the video game eventually. Um, but I really enjoyed this. Uh, uh, not as much as the first one, but I really enjoyed this right. one. And I would, whenever we get to the afterlife, I think it may take my... It might be my favorite fucking Ghostbusters movie because of I've, what they do in that movie. I've purposely not watched it yet because I don't want oh, to rave about it before mm. we... Uh, movie's really good. Before we finish 
let's see. Okay, so we are going to do 2022 dollars. Um, so the budget for this movie was $25 million. The opening weekend got $29.5 million. Domestically got a $112.5 million. Internationally, $102.9 million. Altogether, in $1989, $215.4 million. Which is halfway decent. Um, the first Ghostbusters movie made ridiculous amounts of money. This one made a decent amount of money, just uh, probably not what they were expecting on a sequel. Um, but if you just, uh, for $2022 at 126.7% increase, the budget was 56.7% or 7%, $56.7 million. The opening weekend would have been $66.9 million. Domestically in 2022 dollars would have been $255.1 million. Internationally, uh, $233.3 million. Altogether, $488.4 million in 2022 dollars. So nearly half a billion. I think the last one was also like over half a billion Yeah. Uh, for just that one movie as well. So it, the both movies made a decent amount just for whatever reason. Um, whether it be uh, Rick Moranis dealing with his shit, not wanting to come back to do movies, or Bill Murray just holding out, holding out, and because of that uh, wasted time, we then lost Harold Ramis, and we never got Harold Ramis back on screen. With yeah, them. we never got another Egon. Right. Um, so it's a shame that we only got these two movies, but we do get Egon in that video game. So yeah. it was back in 2009, and uh, was it Harold Ramis passed in 2014? So we did get that last hurrah with the Ghostbusters with the video game that right. came out. With him providing the voice right. for Egon. They all provided the voice. Dan Aykroyd, Ernie Hudson, Bill Murray, Harold Ramis, and I think Annie Potts as well did the voice of Janine. Yeah, I think so. I think so. Um, so that's probably the outside of Afterlife is probably the closest sequel to one and two that we get. Yeah. Like I said, I really enjoyed this movie. I like the first one as well. Um, we're going to be talking about uh, the 2016 all-female cast of Ghostbusters next. And I don't, like I said, I don't hate it. It's just not good. No. It's, uh, we'll get to it when we talk about it. I have many fucking thoughts when it comes to that fucking movie. Because um, I like a lot of the actresses in it. But the story surrounding these characters is just not interesting at all. No. Um, anyway, that is pretty much all I got. And that's all I've got. Make sure to comment, rate, subscribe. Tell us what you think about Ghostbusters 2. Are you as big a fan of music as the slime is? <laughs> right. Um, you can also find find us. You can also find us. Find us. Uh, on Twitter and Instagram at Nerdinian. Uh, you can also find me on both those platforms at That Wanker. You can also find us on TikTok at Nerdinian as well. And remember, hope is like the sun. If you only believe in it when you can see it, then you'll never make it through the night. Rosebud.